Hey, welcome to Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football. I'm your host, Patrick Mayhorn. I'm joined, as always, by co-host Ryan Donnelly. Ryan, how's it going, man? Uh, Pat, we're living big. Uh, it is um, it is the biggest week of the year for freaks like us, um, especially me. I don't know about you. Maybe you care more about conference title week or week one or something. Me, yeah. I'm a week 13 guy. Um, I, I live and die for this all year. We got Ohio State, Michigan undefeated matchup on saturday it is consuming all of my thoughts um i am neglecting my personal and professional relationships i am i am all in it's all i i have in the brain yeah it is uh it's a good time to have that as the only thing that's on the brain um (laughs) we love to do that we love to have our, our mind consumed completely consumed by just the the thoughts about a college football game um, yeah. a we, hatred too, really. Yeah, yeah. a hatred too that that kind of drives you through everything that you do. Um, yeah, we've got a uh, we've got a, a week thirteen watch list here for you. We've got rivalry rivalry week to talk about. Um, Ryan, where are you at with this slate? Is this is this good for you? I I think it's I think it's okay. I think it's a decent slate. It's fine. Uh, um, I think the uh, <laughs> there's some some major ones that will matter. Uh, obviously Ohio State, Michigan. I mean, Air Force, Boise State is a big game. Oregon State, Oregon. Um, not a ton of depth, right? No. Like, I mean, the other end of year rivalries, your Florida State, your FSU, your um, you know, UNC, NC State, Georgia, Alabama, Georgia Auburn, Tech. yeah, Georgia, Georgia Tech. Not a lot of juice in a lot of those games. Um, to be honest, it doesn't really seem that big this year for a lot of these things again like we've just had this process of maybe i'm wrong maybe we'll get like three upsets maybe texas and oregon alabama will all lose or something yeah but it feels like we've had a lot of degree delayed gratification waiting for conference title week for a lot of these matchups where like everyone in the top 10 plays each other basically yeah uh, except what missouri kind of theme um or Ole miss one of the two um yeah besides that it, it feels like it's it's just all kind of building up towards this big finale. And um, I hope that means you'll get a great game between Ohio state, Michigan this week, and then a great one next weekend. But um, yeah, I'm always excited to see conference title races. A lot of game, other teams have, you know, big games at stake, but uh, there's still, I think six conferences whose, whose title games are undecided. Um, but it's, um, it's not as star studded as it could be. No, no. Uh, the the Iron Bowl not being terribly compelling, at least on its face, for anything other than just you know rivalry reasons, uh, really is gonna always hurt this slate every year when that is the case. When Auburn, basically, when Auburn isn't good, um, it this it gets a whole lot harder <laughs> on on rivalry yeah. to have good I mean, stuff because that's like that and, that that's supposed to be the marquee after Ohio State Michigan. That's supposed to be the huge game that then you go right into after Ohio State Michigan. And then this year it's just like, well, Auburn just got pantsed by <laughs> New Mexico State, and it's a little yeah. bit harder to talk. Who, who are a better that. team than Alabama? To be fair, yeah, um, that's fair. Yeah, or same with like Florida. No, but, like Florida <laughs> needs to be good for this. It's the SEC. It's, yeah, it's the, the SEC, SEC problem, is letting right? us down really. Florida, Florida, Auburn, A and M, South Carolina are all dog shit, which takes a lot of juice out of some of these rivalry game weekends. Like A and M, LSU used to be dependable, right? Yeah. And you had the Iron Bowl. Uh, South Carolina Clemson has had years where it's good, although usually not. Uh, Florida State, Florida is always a big one. Notre Dame, Stanford I mean, used to be great every year. I mean, like that was you know Stanford yeah. was was perennially a a New Year's Six team, and, New, and Notre Dame was 
kind of doing what it is doing now, which is underachieving, but still being ranked. Um, yeah. It, I, I think I'll write about this at some point in the off season, but I'm going to develop a, a master, like with all these conference changes, I'm going to take it upon myself to, and no one will ever listen to this, of course, Yeah. but to develop a list of when all these rivalries should be played. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically space it out a little more, but still keep the last weekend. Great. But we, we need a combination of like, you got to keep your red river where it's at, right? That's important. Yeah. Uh, you know, cocktail uh, parties always in October. Um, you got to work on that stuff, but the rest of this needs to get whipped into shape here. Come on. Yeah. We need to find, I, I think one of the, the things like, cause you know, Penn state, Michigan state is on here and we're going to talk about it on Friday evening. We need to find of the teams that are joining the big 10, uh, somebody in there needs to be playing Penn State on this on this weekend. We got to find a better game for those guys uh, than Michigan State. I don't know why that would need to be the end of season <laughs> rivalry game. Um, let's uh, let's let's pair them off with like I know Washington and Oregon are both busy. Um, if USC and UCLA don't want to play in the last week of the season, that's fine. Let's give Penn State one of those teams to play this this week, um, and you know go from there because there are there's a there's a distinct lack for for some of the not top tier teams but some of the second tier teams of just they don't really have anybody to play this week there's not like a clear there's not a clear big rival for those for some of those teams to play if we're doing all of the conference changes we might as well rework some of that stuff like why is and this will change too because they're going to the big 12 why is colorado and utah playing on on this week you can't find a better game for utah this would be a great time to have byu utah um with them being back in the same conference again next year um that would make a lot more sense to me than colorado they're just kind of close to each other i don't really know that there's like a distinct uh hatred there (laughs) from the outside looking in. maybe i'm wrong no or even like care yeah like they're just two teams in the same league. I don't think they really care about each other at all. No. Um, which is the vibe from quite a few of these, right? Like, I, I think AM LSU has actually kind of become a rivalry, like, via being manufactured. It's been kind of fun. But it's certainly not, like, the game anyone cares about most there. But no. you also kind of have to get LSU a rivalry. So it's got to be that one, I guess. Sure. Um I don't know. We'll work on it. I'm gonna. We'll take this as a project. You and I will work on it. Yeah. We'll uh. We'll figure this out. Um, We're gonna fix it. This will be fun. <laughs> we'll take like the top, the top like 50 rivalries in the country and make a calendar for it. I think that'd be good. Yeah, that would be good. And then the week before, are there 50 good ones? Probably. Probably. Yeah. And then the week before should be the the bra- the bracket busters week, right? That should be the the big. Uh, like, like, you know, top G5 teams are playing, uh, P5 teams that are like on the, on the precipice of playoff contention. That's when we should be doing that. Um, just there's, uh, there's so much with the, the way that the sport is scheduled that is just not good. Um, and it could so easily be fixed. <laughs> it wouldn't be that, it wouldn't be that hard for it to be fixed. Um, you would think, and yet here we are with, uh, a bunch of a bunch of games that are just kind of there on rivalry weekend it feels like kind of some some wasted movement from the sport there uh anyway before we get into all of that we have a couple things to advertise to you i'm going to get home field out of the way here real quick and then i'm going to let you pe- you tell the people about meet at midfield and what we've got going on this week uh homefieldapparel.com 
Of course, longtime friends of the show, high-quality collegiate vintage apparel uh, for just about every team. Whatever your team is, they have it, and they have really cool logos for it, and they put them on very comfortable shirts and sweatshirts and bomber jackets and pants and hats and really anything that you could want. Uh, It is a great holiday gift. Uh, They are still doing a Black Friday sale over there. Uh, the code is all over the website. You can't miss it. But uh, when that sale ends, if you have still not purchased any home field, go on over there and use that code MEAD at MIDFIELD for 15% off to, for your first purchase. Uh, again, homefieldapparel.com, code MEAD at MIDFIELD for 15% off your first purchase. Ryan, what do we have going on at MEAD at MIDFIELD this week? Oh, yeah, baby. It is uh, it is the week. Um, you know, we are obviously a national cultural website at this point, but we have a lot of roots in the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry, and a lot of our, our fan base has come from that rivalry. Yeah. Um, it is the best in the sport. It is the best in American sports. It is one of the four or five best in the world um, for any sports. Um, so we have some discount codes based around that. Um, we've had a lot of new folks sign up this week. I think we're pushing towards like 100 new members this week alone, uh, which is really exciting. Um, we have a code, uh, the game, T H E G A M E, uh, for a $5 first month, um, to uh, kind of up and join the site, check it out for your first month, five bucks. Uh, we also have uh, a code N O V two five, which would get you 50% off, uh, of a semi-annual or annual membership, uh, every single week on the site. Of course, this week's all ratcheted up, but every single week on the site, uh, we have premium articles premium podcasts, including this podcast and also mine with Kevin Harris, uh, High Street Freaks, which is an Ohio State pod. Uh, we have the, in my opinion, and I think a lot of people's opinions on the board, the best message board in college football. Uh, we are constantly looking for a fun middle ground uh, that is not something that's like the Reddit college football, like, good yeah. luck this week, Buckeye bros, play hard, guys. Yeah. We don't want to be the, like, PFF, like, well, like his pressure rate is actually not very good. If you look at it, it's like his sack numbers won't, won't, won't stand up over the course of the full season. We don't want those guys. And we don't want the like racist 247 message board posters. Yeah, that's are, that's the order uh, of importance for you of keeping off of our message board. It, it, uh-huh, first yeah. the Reddit guys, then the PFF guys, then the racist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> but there's good people on all sides. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. Um yeah, I think we developed a really, really great message board culture. It gets better by the week, by the year. Um, we we love having the guys on there, and it's so fun to be on there. Yeah. Um, and we'd love all of you to come join us, too. You know, we've got a great community growing. Uh, again, those codes are the game, T-H-E-G-A-M-E, all one word, for $5 for your first month, or code NOV25 for 50% off the semi-annual area membership. Whether you want to read the articles in the podcast or you just want to gawk at the Ohio State-Michigan fans, in our annual conflict thread. Oh yeah. Um, that's great too. We've had a lot of reporting on the Michigan sign stealing scandal. Um, we are tracking uh, James Madison's bowl eligibility and trying to beat those crooked Fox NCAA mm-hmm. by not having enough teams eligible for bowl games, which let them get in. We're working on every conference title race. We're talking about the playoff. Uh, we're talking recruiting on there. Uh, we're calling everyone's quarterback that he's shit. Mm. Um, it's it's a great time. I mean, it's the best board in the country. We're hiring and firing coaches like crazy over there. We are doing oh, it at like an unprecedented nuts. rate. Um, we just did. I mean, for the for the premium show, for those of you who are not subscribed of this podcast, we just did more than an hour talking about the open job at Syracuse, which was not what we planned to do, but uh, we'll, we'll you know it what happens, it man. works. Sometimes it just happens. Sometimes you have more to say about the Syracuse yeah. head coaching job than maybe you realized 
going in. Yeah, and, and also, you know, maybe okay. Chip Kelly saves his job at the last minute. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thankfully, we didn't maybe, talk about that you, opening yet. <laughs> yeah, maybe you you can't fire Tom Allen yet because you know it's coming in a week. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe there's maybe there's reasons. Maybe you got a guy with the podcast and you got to find content while you're trying to write a million articles this week. Yeah. Um, fuck off, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe you're both completely swamped with stuff and you just want to talk about Syracuse for a little while. It's fine. It's cool. We yeah, embrace yeah. that over there. Um, yeah, I, I think, honestly, the best way to describe the, the appeal of the message board and kind of the identity of the message board is that it is it is a place for people who love college football, not, like, love it in an ironic way, not uh, love it in like, oh, what is this going to mean for the draft or for my fantasy team kind of way. Um, not in a racist way, as you were saying, like the, the, the three groups. It's none of that. It's just people who love ball and people who love talking about it and talking about it in an intelligent way, but also a way that you know goes into the kind of detail that I think fans of, of all varieties of all teams just there's there's a group of fans that we that we like to associate with and that we're part of that just love to talk about all of it and, and to go into way too much detail and to do way too much background and to have way too many spreadsheets. We're all writing the 600-page manifestos about our teams over there. Um, that is what we are about, and it's for everybody. It's for all the teams. It's, it's not just a P5. It's not just Big Ten. Uh, we love them all. And we would be very happy to have you if you, especially if you are a, a fan of, of teams that are not in our traditional, you know, our, our traditional background. We'd love to get more Pac-12 fans in there, more Big 12 fans. Um, I would say more SEC fans. We have a decent contingent of SEC fans. And also, I don't know if I want that many more. We have good ones right now, and I don't know that there are many more good ones. Prove me wrong. Um, I think there are probably more. We've probably got some more coming. You would hope. Um, We've had, ACC, the Mizzou guys just, have been cool. We, we got some Mizzou guys. On. Yeah, I don't the, know how that happened. We the, have two of them. The Mizzou guys yeah. are awesome. The Mizzou, the Mizzou guys have been a, a wonderful surprise. Um, yeah, we, yeah, we got a Bama guy. We got an A&M guy. got a couple of Georgia guys. Yeah. Got a couple LSU okay. guys on there. Yeah. Tennessee fan. We've got like... I guess we have Ryan Nanny, who's a Gators fan. Yeah. The, <laughs> we have our token Gators yeah, fan. Yeah, he, he's the nation's uh, only good Florida fan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, uh, I don't know. We probably need to find some Arkansas freaks, right? We'd love oh, them. Oh, yeah. We need to get those guys. Yeah. Um, that would be fun. We'll work on it. Yeah. We yeah. need some guys from the, from fucking Hogbeat. We need some, some Hogbeat departures. <laughs> Here's the only rule. No fucking USC fans. <laughs> no. No USC fans. <laughs> Not, no interest in that. Um, but yeah, we would love to have you if this all sounds interesting to you. Um, you can, uh, you can use those codes. They are in the description of this podcast as well. If you don't remember them from however many minutes ago it was now that Ryan said them, uh, Ryan, you, I have a, I have a, I would say a troubling message from you here, uh, that says you want to do an Argentina segment before we get into the games. What is this? What does that, what does that entail? Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I got a little taster for rivalry week last night. Uh, Argentina played Brazil in a world cup qualifier match in the Maracanã, uh, in Rio de Janeiro. Um, and uh, it, first of all, it was the same from pregame. The teams had to come off the field um, like right before kick because the Brazilian cops were essentially just like beating the shit out of Argentinian fans with riot sticks. Um, there were like multiple fans taken off in stretchers like with their heads bleeding. It was really nasty. Like they, it's like the every time they play in Brazil, that happens. Yeah. Uh, their cops are just fucking insane. Uh, they're as bad or worse than American cops. 
Um, it is a, it is a nasty scene over there. Um, but uh, Argentina went into to their house. They won one nothing. Uh, very physical game. There were like I think four or five cards overall. A lot of fouls. Um, dudes getting banged up. It was a it was a good ass match. Um, you know, getting the chance to to sing some songs afterwards, celebrate the win, talk shit to the Brazilians, the fucking brazucas. They uh, <laughs> they don't have the goods, man. They're a cooked product. They are um, a cooked product. They're washed, folks. They're washed. They don't have it anymore. They're washed up. They don't. Yeah, have they're it. gonna fire their coach. Um, their whole roster, like they're they're trans. You know, they're pride. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah, they're 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 dog shit. They're uh, they're it's bad. They're, they're, it's, yeah. <laughs> their best players are gonna transfer to a different country. They're gonna <laughs> become a different nationality. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually yeah, Serbian. <laughs> but they won. You should every like Eastern European team should be allowed to have one Brazilian forward. Okay. Just to see what happens. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, they don't care about defense. Um, they they don't respect the sport well enough. Um, they don't deserve <laughs> it. Uh, they don't they don't love it enough. And and frankly, it's good to see them eat shit. Um, I was uh, I was celebrating online pretty heavily afterwards. There, you just have like, you know, like Argentina gets a lot of cracks made about it for like you know Nazis going there in the fifties or whatever. Which I get. Look, you gotta get your jokes off. Yeah, there is like not a more racist country in the world than Brazil. No, um, they are. I mean, they are fucking nasty, nasty individuals. They were calling all Argentinians animals. Said they should be expelled from the country and allowed to come back. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's good to talk shit to those guys. It's a nice preview of like they are in South America, um, like the historically dominant team that always won in the earlier decades in the, in the World Cup. They um they're a very pompous rich fan base Mm uh you know they uh there's just some similarities there they just had a team that that i love and cherish go into their house beat them at their own game uh and walk away with a win um just just some wheels turning in my head you know just some wheels turning um they had to use fucking police protection trying to get our fans out of there and there's a great there's a great chant from uh the river fans of argentina uh whenever they play boca they, it was, a, it was a famous one. They basically, uh, I'm not going to do it all in Spanish for you guys because most of you won't understand it, but they, they, they had a great chant. They were just taunting uh, all of the Boca fans for basically coming into their stadium with police protection. They were just calling them cowards. Uh, and they were calling them chuta, which is like the Argentinian word for pig, like uh, not literally pigs, but pigs in the cop sense. Sure. Um, that's good that they have a and, specific uh, word for that. That's, that's smart. Yeah, you got to have a word for that. You got to have a word for that. Um, so they were, uh, uh, there's like a chair that just taught them saying that like, you walk with the feds, we, we come in with our chest pair and, uh, it's hard. It's very hard. And, uh, I was posting that to Brazilian fans at like midnight last night. Love that. Um, I'm in the zone. I basically, I needed that as an appetizer. I'm in the fucking zone now for the rest of the week. Yeah. It reminds me of the, the <laughs> all time tweet of the guy saying if he was a hometown sports announcer, he'd be saying stuff like about the opponents like uh these are evil people these are not good human beings um that's where we're at that's where we're at this week these are evil people folks these are not good human beings uh i also had a uh, a great start to to conflict week that really kind of 
really kind of got me into the into the spirit of the holiday uh watching Utah State basketball roll through a, a non-conference tournament and then yesterday just beat the piss out of a team in the championship game. <laughs> they, Who they play? Uh Stephen F Austin, which is famously a very yeah. kind of dirty physical team and and Utah State beat them by 30 and really kind of uh kind of embarrassed them. So, great start to the to the conflict week here for us. We both got the juices flowing. Uh, let's jump in here. Let's jump in with, uh, I would say, even one of the nastiest of the rivalries in, in college football. Not necessarily one of the most impactful every year, but but a personal favorite and I think a sentimental favorite of a lot of people. Uh, that would be the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving evening. Uh, Ole Miss at Mississippi State, 7.30 p.m. on ESPN. Uh, as a football game this year, not the most compelling product in the world. We do unfortunately have to root for Ole Miss to keep Mississippi State from getting to a bowl game, as you mentioned earlier with the the James Madison and Jacksonville State bowl game tracker. Uh, so we do have to pull for Lane Kiffin here, uh, sadly. But uh, I think he's probably going to do it. I think Ole Miss is a, a good deal better than Mississippi State, and I would imagine that it wins this game. There is always the qualifier that you have to give with the Egg Bowl, which is that it doesn't really matter which team is good and which team isn't. It's just going to be the same game every year. And that is a distinct possibility here, that it is just the same game and it's very it's very close. I think Ole Miss has a little more to play for this year than it usually does at this point in the season. So maybe they are not uh, just on vacation already like they have been under Lane in the past. Um uh, so maybe there's less of a chance of that. Ole Miss is obviously a better team, but this is always fun. This is this is always one of college football's true joys to just sit back on on you know Thursday evening after having all the the, the Thanksgiving festivities and getting really drunk and watching the the Egg Bowl and it's a delight. I don't know. I I don't think I really need to sell this to people. You know what you're getting from this one. It's always fun. Yeah, of course. It's it's gonna be. I mean. It's always going to be messy and weird. Um, I mean, it does suck that Mississippi State's, you know, like pretty bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it makes it tough, but there are players to enjoy in this game. I, I think, you know, Jackson Darts are having a great season. Obviously, Quinchon Judkins is a special player. Um, Will Rogers had a pretty shitty year at a transition out of the air raid. Who would have thought, yeah. right? Um, that would happen. Uh, you have Trey Harris this game. Um, what's the kid's name? Is it uh, Jaquavius Marks who plays for Mississippi State? Uh, the running so. back. I, yeah. I like him. I like him a fair bit. Um, there are some dudes in this game to enjoy watching. I mean, it's not quite as much maybe NFL talent as you saw in this game last year and previous showings. Mississippi State's not quite as good. Um, but it's not like Mississippi State's a a flawless team, right? It's a very vulnerable Miss. team. Yeah. Ole Miss. Sorry, Ole Miss. Yeah. I mean, they played close games with. Um, with Tulane, with Arkansas, with Auburn, and, and, and with AM, and Tulane's a good football team. I shouldn't include them. But yeah. uh, what I'm saying here is that a road game uh, and a rivalry game for Ole Miss, I, I don't feel like, I don't think they're going to necessarily blow Mississippi State out. I mean, it's certainly in the range of possibilities, um, but I think this could be an ugly kind of fist fight game. And look, it saves you from watching whatever dog shit NFL games on on Thursday. I, I haven't even checked the schedule, but. Um, what right. the night game is San Francisco Seattle. You don't want to watch Ugh. that. Um, you you do not want to see that shit. Yeah, I'm sure the Cowboys uh, are playing in some capacity. There's probably an NFC. Yeah, the East Cowboys game. are Those the are, afternoon game. There has you know it's interesting. Yeah. People don't know this. There's never been a a good or watchable NFC East football game. It just never happened. It doesn't. They don't yeah. do that. That's not what they do there. 
Um, and you do lack moral fiber if you like one of those teams. Yeah, it's a it's a personal failing <laughs> on your part. Just find a different team. They're all the same. Just find a different one. It's not that hard. Oh, I have so many loyalties to the pro team. No, you don't. Just root for a different one. It would be easy. <laughs> it would be very easy for me um, if I cared enough to do that. Uh, yeah, Browns guy are, who's a Browns fan. Browns are seven and three, yeah. baby. Let's go. Let's go. It's this. It's it's their year with the fucking Dorian Thompson Robinson at quarterback. Um, uh-huh. Listen. <laughs> Guy was was good enough on Sunday, uh, yeah. It, it just watch this instead, or watch a movie. I think a movie is also an acceptable solution on Thursday night. Uh, have this on the laptop or something. Just uh, yeah. enjoy you the can evening. Watch the new, the new uh, Jacob Elordi Barry Keoghan cum drinking movie. <laughs> I would not. I don't know about. I don't know about all that. Uh, <laughs> have you seen the comments on that? No. It's it's basically there's just it's like a fucking combination of. Like eyes wide shut and euphoria. The movie's called uh, Salt Burn. Oh, um, yeah, it's really weird. It's about this like kid at a private school who makes friends with a rich classmate who invites him to his like family's massive estate in the UK. Yeah, and uh, as far as I can tell, there's some kind of insane partying going on. Probably some sinister rich people like pedophilia, murder stuff. Who is the? Um, I'm looking up the the director on this because I do think that they should be. It's a it's a debut director, I think. Okay, um, uh, Emerald. Fennel. I think that maybe we should consider prison time for this. For this one. <laughs> but um, there's been interviews about this where there's a scene where someone licks someone else's cum out of a bathtub. Uh, <laughs> and that's all I know. I, I watched the trailer. I am going to watch that movie because I like Barry Hogan. Yeah. Uh, so I, I will go watch it. But uh, who the fuck knows what's going to happen? I don't know. There's been some like. <laughs> there's been some very weird articles about that movie um so you can watch that if you you're you're thanksgiving with your loved ones just throw that on the television um yeah, get that I, up there i guess yeah if you're if you're if you're visiting with your parents you know just toss that one on there i'm sure they'll love that um i'm gonna go with blues brothers that's my thanksgiving night movie we always watch blues brothers so i'm gonna go with blues brothers personally but if you want to watch yeah. the cub movie i guess you can do that too um me and my dad always watch the godfather too on thanksgiving hell yeah. i will not be going home this year i'm staying in new york uh, yeah, we, uh, my tradition is over the course of thanksgiving and christmas and christmas eve um me and my dad and the rest of my family but really just me and him are kind of in for it yeah. we always watch uh goodfellas godfather part one and two uh and die hard the nice. four movies we watch between those yeah. between those three days yeah. yeah that's a good list man that's a that's a fun list um yeah yeah so lots of good stuff you can do on thursday night but the egg bowl is certainly up there i think at the top of the list um it's always fun uh friday there's a big slate on friday and we're going to start in the noon slot with the most wanted category no uh guantanamo bay games here but there is some kind of interesting stuff going on uh iowa at nebraska on CBS and TCU at Oklahoma on Fox are the noon games. Um, Iowa at Nebraska is a bowl eligibility battle for Nebraska, right? Because Iowa is already set in the Big Ten title game, so this is pretty much just for Nebraska's sake. Yeah, I mean they're they're pushing for a, uh, for a bowl game. Right? They've they're... really they've really kind of freaked it because they were like five and three not long ago, and they are now five and six and needing to win this last game to get to a bowl game. It has not been a good couple yeah. weeks for Nebraska. No, the Michigan State loss on really stings. I think. Yeah. Um, also, probably losing to Minnesota week one and getting blown out by Colorado. 
you probably want you got to win one of those three games and you're going to a bowl game. Yeah. Um, or you could just win tough. this one and then you could still get away with those three bad losses and it would be okay. Cause um, yeah. I don't know. It, it's, you know, I know that I know that Iowa's record is what it is. It doesn't to me seem like it should be all that hard to beat Iowa. Almost everybody they've played has either beaten them or nearly beaten them. Just win the game, <laughs> simply win the game instead it, of losing it. Just do it. It is the currently the lowest over under in the history of college football. Oh my god! Um, it's set at twenty five and a half points. Jesus um, Christ! Twenty five. It's, Nebraska, been, it's been just going down like for. Oh man, it's yeah. been just going down like precipitous drop for Iowa. Pretty much every week of the season, it seems like it's it's uh they're setting a new record for like the most desolate offensive game that you have ever seen in the history of college football. Um, and they still keep beating it. They still keep being like, this is, you know, we're not a betting podcast, but it is, it is almost admirable that Iowa is so for a team that had its, you know, a large portion of its roster suspended for gambling. Uh, it seems like maybe they are juicing it a little bit there <laughs> with the unders. They've yeah. seen, a, they've seen an easy way to get some wins and it's just to not score any points or allow any points. And then you can hit the under, every time if it's zero zero then there's nothing they can say about it they're not setting it at one uh you can get away with it it's easy yeah yeah it's true i mean i don't know i i, I guess the benefit for iowa is both of these teams have played this exact kind of game like 10 times between them if not more this season and iowa wins almost all of them and nebraska usually finds a way to lose all of them um which probably does feel relevant here right yeah. and nebraska is well, let's see. Um, they are one in four in one score games this season. It, it, Nebraska um, also has a, a yeah a pretty strong recent history of struggles in one score games, which you would think would regret would would progress, I guess, to the mean at some point. But it's been years and it still hasn't. They just keep losing these games. No, they just keep doing it. Yeah, and I mean, look, Iowa's five and school five and one in one score games. Nebraska is one in four. Um, I know there's some luck involved in that. You could say, oh, well, they're due for a regression to the mean. But, like, yeah. Iowa's always good at this, and Nebraska's always yes. bad at this. Yeah, this, this is maybe the widest, like, recent historical margin of success in one-score games. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. That's not, like, a metric that is out there, and I don't want to put it together. I honestly, I cannot imagine that there has been another college football matchup this season that pits a, a team that is this reliably successful in one score games against a team that is this reliably bad in one score games. Um, it is a, it, 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 the, the gap is enormous. It feels like Iowa wins every one of these games every season. Like you said, they're, they're five and one this season. Um, I would guess it's a similar number basically every year for them for the last decade. And Nebraska always loses these games. And so it kind of feels like they're making our job easy here as talking about this game. It's probably going to be really close. And then if it's really close, Iowa's going to win. Um, that's the way that it goes. They'll, they'll, they'll kick a field goal with one second left and Nebraska will lose. That's just the nature of the beast. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's it's it's what always happens then. I'm checking Iowa's recent schedule. Um, it looks like... Uh, let's see here. Um, it looks to me like Iowa has gone seventeen and six in one score games in non-COVID seasons since twenty nineteen. Okay. Um, that is just a quick scan, so I could be wrong. That is an absurdly absurdly good number. Yeah. Um, and I, I I haven't had time to check Nebraska's, but I'm gonna guess based on what I know about them, it's really bad. Yeah. They, it, let's see, it's not have, good. <laughs> It's it's not it's not a high number I don't think of 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 wins just from what I remember 
I mean, honestly, I don't remember Nebraska winning very many one-score games <laughs> over no. over the last five or six years. Um, let's see. They are. Oh my god, this is insane. Um, over the last three years, they are three and seventeen in one-score games. Oh my god. <laughs> like. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it's just how this always goes. Maybe I'm, I'm just getting quickly while I'm also talking on the podcast. So I'm yeah. a game or two off. Yeah. But that's something close to that. They are that's... absurdly bad in these games. It's not regressive, brother. It's just kind of just who they are right now. Yeah. Um, it, I would it... take Iowa. I would take Iowa <laughs> in the money line if you're gambling all day. Yeah. It's just uh, Nebraska. I, at some point, you'd have to think that they're due for a season where it just flips. Like, just because the, you know. The Probably next of, year, role is historically good in those. Yeah, the law of average is like eventually they will figure it out and then they'll have a really good season because of it. Um, but it is one of those things where I think they are aware of that. <laughs> I think that the program is maybe maybe a little bit too aware of how much it has struggled in these games. And so when these games come about, which they do a lot in the Big Ten West, um, they it's just always in the back of their minds and they cannot get away from it. They cannot escape the, the fear of... That just creeps into the program. They get they get the horror and just they just fall apart uh, at the end of these games. And it doesn't matter who the coach is. It doesn't matter who the players are on the team. It is just the helmet. It's the helmet and it's the jerseys and it's the program. It's in the walls. They cannot they cannot get it out. They are they are permanently um, uh, just ill in one score games. They cannot they can't escape it. They can't shake this. There's no anti you know antibacterial. There's no antibiotic that is helping them here. Uh, they just have it, and they're stuck with it. <laughs> and and Iowa has the opposite. Iowa is uh, like a pig and shit in these games. They cannot get enough of them. Uh, I don't think that Nebraska is terribly well positioned here, but we'll see. Uh, also at noon, I said TCU at Oklahoma. Uh, not been a not been an especially good year for TCU. Not been a great you know a, a very fun season. I don't think in in Fort Worth. Uh, speaking of regression to the mean in one score games. Um, but Oklahoma has not been, I don't think terribly convincing over the last month of the season and TCU could, you know, maybe do some damage Uh, again. I I don't think I would expect an upset here, but this is very much the kind of, of week where everything looks all set up for, for chalk, right. And and looks all set up for a, a nice, clean super high level conference championship week and then like five or six teams in the top 15 just lose games that they have no business losing and the the estimation drops severely that happens a lot in this sport i think it is a a possibility here and i would include this game in that um we i I don't think we could possibly go through the the big 12 uh tiebreakers right now because i don't remember exactly what the number was it was high for the number of potential outcomes this weekend. It was it was very high, um, and uh, so I don't I don't know what happens <laughs> if if Oklahoma wins this game. I don't know who is in the conference championship game. I know Texas is like the best positioned. Outside of that, I have no clue. It, it is it is anybody's guess who will be in the Big Twelve title game. Yeah, yeah. I mean. It's. I have the scenarios pulled up here. I can go through them really quickly. Okay. I think um, there were like a thousand was, scenarios. <laughs> That's, there's that... not that many. There's not that many. Okay. It's. It's like there are some variations, but it's all pretty straightforward. Um, if Texas and Oklahoma State, if either of them win their final game, they are in. Okay. Um, so 
Uh, wait, hang on. That's not true. Oh, no. Um, just kidding. Oh. So... <laughs> Oh, no, no, that's, that's, that's sorry. That is true. Yeah. Okay. Either Texas or Oklahoma State are in with the win regardless. So if those teams win, they're in. Yeah. If Texas wins and Oklahoma State loses, the result for the second seed will be determined by Oklahoma versus TCU and Kansas State versus Iowa State. If one, if either Kansas State or Oklahoma lose, the other one wins, the winner is in the title game. Yeah. If both win, Oklahoma would go in. Um, If both lose, I had an update on this. Shit, sorry. Um, uh-huh. If both lose, I think it's also uh let me tell you one second here this is great podcasting yeah um <laughs> i do have a pulled up i'm just getting to the, the link yeah um okay so here, here's how it goes right so texas and oklahoma state are both control their own destiny if either one wins the final game uh they're in the title game texas wins and oklahoma state loses the oklahoma versus tcu and kansas state versus iowa state games determine that like i said if one loses the other one wins the winners in the title game if both win oklahoma goes to the title game if if both lose, Oklahoma State keeps the bid and plays Texas. Okay. Um, so if all three of Oklahoma, Kansas State, and Oklahoma State lose and Texas wins, it is Texas versus Oklahoma State. If both Texas and Oklahoma State wins, no other result matters. It's Texas versus Oklahoma State. Yeah. If Texas loses and Oklahoma State wins, again, the Oklahoma versus TCU and Kansas State IM games come in. Mm-hmm. If Oklahoma <laughs> wins, it'd be in over Texas and any resulting tiebreaker. Uh, they would have a rematch <laughs> for Bedlam. Um, if Oklahoma loses, Texas would be in to play Oklahoma State. Okay. If both if both Oklahoma State <laughs> and Oklahoma lose and Kansas State wins, the Wildcats are in and they would play Texas regardless of Texas' outcome. Okay. <laughs> I'll write this on Twitter. This is the ter- this is the Terror Dome. <laughs> 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 this is not. Yeah. If te- if Texas loses, all hell breaks loose. Basically, is what is what happens here. Um, Oklahoma can. Uh... <clears throat> can make things easier on itself by winning this game. That would be my advice to Oklahoma. You should win this one instead of losing it. That would be a good idea. Um, I don't think I have any other actual thoughts on the football game. Oklahoma is better, but how much does that matter with Oklahoma? I don't know. They've, they should be better in basically every game that they've played this season, and they've played a lot of close games <laughs> and probably more than they should be playing against uh you know, uh, an otherwise not especially good uh, Big 12 conference below the top two or three teams. Uh, no fly list. We got three games here at noon. Miami at Boston College on ABC, Memphis at Temple on ESPN, and Toledo at Central Michigan on ESPNU. I don't really think that any of these are terribly compelling. Or, or, do you have any interest with any of these games? Hmm. Uh... <laughs> no no <laughs> um not really um i guess miami at boston college it's just a real haters bowl for me and yeah. the outcome i'm happy with yeah um because it would not impact the jeff halfley uh record against winning team streak mm-hmm. so that'd be fun um memphis temple negative interest lead central michigan um not really any interest um there is a report the ncaa is back in central michigan again today okay as for the michigan investigation so that's fun yeah um yeah i don't know i like watching penny boone play football so sure uh, yeah. probably not gonna watch <clears throat> I, I will probably not be watching this jim McElwain may be coaching for his job in this game we'll see keep an eye on that hmm. uh friday afternoon we have three games two of them in the guantanamo bay slot uh, important for conference title races at the G5 level. That would be UTSA at Tulane, 3.30 p.m. on ABC, and Air Force at Boise State, 4 p.m. on FS1. 
Uh, let's start in the AAC. I think that that is the uh, probably the more interesting of the two. I think they're both good games. I think they're both entertaining and, and worth watching. But we'll start in the AAC. Uh, UTSA has been just on fire. They they are as as hot as any team in America right now. They have not lost since September 23rd. Um, when they have been healthy this year, they have been exactly as as dominant as we thought they might be. Uh, they've really not been. North Texas game was the only one since that loss that has been even really all that competitive. Uh, that was an eight-point win outside of that. You know, 15, 21, 26, 14, 20, and 28-point wins in the conference. They've really not had any issue with the new-look AAC, uh, nor should they, because they are a good team, and pretty much everybody else in the league is a bad team, uh, save for Tulane, who they're playing this this uh, this Friday. I think this is fun. <clears throat> this is a fun matchup. I, I kind of... You know, I, I'm we're obviously UTSA partisans on this show. We are we are uh, fond of of Jeff Trailer and what they do there. I think that not just letting that cloud my judgment. I think I like UTSA here. I, I think UTSA has been the better team for the the longer time this season. Tulane bounced back uh, after several weeks of coming very close to losing. Uh, they bounced back with a. A fairly comfortable 24 to 8 win over FAU, classic score. Uh, but the offense here has been just not necessarily as good as it maybe should be uh, this season. They still, this is crazy, they still haven't scored more than 40 points in a game. They've not hit 40 yet this season with a, a really talented offense. I don't know how that is, I don't know how that's possible. Um, Makai Hughes has stepped up for them in a really big way at running back. They needed to find a guy there, and he has been the guy. But Michael Pratt just hasn't quite—he hasn't quite taken the next step, I don't think. And he was, you know, he was hurt a little bit earlier in the season, but he's been—he's been back and healthy for a while now. Um, he just hasn't quite been—he kind of looks like the same guy that he was last year, basically, and, and just has a, a tiny bit less skill talent around him. Um, has a distinct lack of, of Tajay Spears, even with Hughes stepping up. He's not Spears yet. Um, and, and so this offense has been kind of kind of disappointing. It's still good. It's not quite as good as it maybe should be. They don't run the ball quite as well as they, they have in the past. Um, and I think UTSA is honestly pretty well positioned here. They have a, they have a really good pass defense. They, I, I think, are physical and talented enough that they can handle Tulane's receivers and the skill players. And then offensively, I, I think UTSA has more answers right now with, with Frank Harris and with what they've been able to do down the stretch of this season. Um, I think UTSA could could really, really easily win this game and, and put itself into the American title game in its first year in the conference. Yeah, and it would be like, I, I don't know. I think you did a better job of explaining the game that I'm going to, and I don't have anything else to add that you didn't say. Okay. But I, I think just from a narrative perspective, um, no disrespect to Lane, who I like as a program, but this is not the team that deserves the New Year's Six title bid for the G5. No. They are clearly, to me, not the best team in the in the G5. And I think just from a, from I also don't want SMU to get into it. <laughs> and if if they if Tulane wins and SMU wins their final game, which they should do pretty easily, yeah. Um, SMU I think has a real chance to beat Tulane, which would result in them maybe being the pick, which would be nuts. So. From a perspective here of not wanting a bad AAC team to go play in this bowl, I, I, I would like to have 
UTSA win. Yeah, I think we, yeah we we to avoid the AAC getting into a New Year's Six Bowl, we probably need to have UTSA run the table down the stretch, which is not impossible because I think they have been uh, the best team in the league for the entirety of of conference play. Really, I think that they are better than the the alternatives. Um, we need them to do it. Go out and go out and wreck shop, Jeff Trailer. We need you more than ever right now. Um, Please don't uh, don't leave before the the season ends for another job. Just stick around and and, and finish your finish your work and and uh, keep the AAC out of the fucking New Year's Six. I don't want to see them in there again. Um, there's there's really not there's really not a reason for for the AAC to get the kind of respect that it gets at this point. It is distinctly one of the worst G five conferences, like by all metrics. Um, it should go to somebody else. And, and I think we might need UTSA's help in accomplishing that, but I, I believe in the Roadrunners. Uh, also, here in the Mountain West, the Air Force at Boise State game, the Mountain West title race has become a, a total mess as Air Force and Fresno State have both collapsed down the stretch. Uh, Boise State coming off of a blowout at Utah State, a blowout win at Utah State. Um, this is I like this matchup a lot. This is two teams that, that are going to run the ball a great deal and really aren't going to pass a whole lot. I don't know what Zach Larrier's status is for this game. That would make a pretty big difference. I'm going to I'm going to look up what Zach Larrier's status is for this game because he has not played uh, in a couple weeks. I think he was hurt two yeah. weeks ago. And he's obviously critical in what they do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're in, yeah. There it's... are no there's no stories about him. There's nothing. <laughs> What is the Air Force media doing, dude? I don't know. Not much, apparently. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what the deal is. Is he is he hurt? Is did he just get benched? That that wouldn't make any sense. Why isn't he playing? What is? I don't. I, yeah, I, I mean, don't, I don't know. Boise what. State's favored by over by a touchdown here, which would make me think that yeah. he's not going to play based on yeah. that line. Which is they're a different team when he plays. Yeah, yeah. They did still almost um, beat UNLV last week without him. Um, they are still mm. they're still capable. UNLV is better than Boise State. Um, Boise State basically has <clears throat> two things going for it, and they're, they're, it's a fairly good two things to have for this matchup. Um, their front six or seven-ish on defense is big and fairly good. Uh, they, they tackle well. There's, there's a decent amount of experience at linebacker. They're getting a little bit healthier up front. Their secondary stinks, but that doesn't really matter for this game, uh, you know, unless you get lucky, basically, if you're Air Force. Um, and then they run the ball really well. They have a they have a solid offensive line and a deep stable of running backs. Taylor Green cannot throw even a little bit, and all of his receivers suck. He couldn't throw even when his receivers didn't suck, but that, that room has been uh, decimated both by injury and by Eric McAllister just leaving in the middle of the season, just you know, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I actually, I don't really want to play anymore and, uh, and jumping ship. So they're not going to pass their pass defense is bad, but they can run the ball well and they can run defend well, which is an important thing to have against air force. I think this is going to be low scoring. I think it's going to be tight. I trust air force more in that kind of game than I do Boise state. I think that Boise state's dead cat bounce can only really take it so far. Um, mm-hmm. because this is fundamentally a limited team. Uh, and, and so I, I think air force, wins but that's a hard place to win games the pressure is obviously on the falcons at this point after losing back-to-back games um or back-to-back-to-back games i guess they've dropped three in a row which is crazy from where they started uh i believe that they still have a shot at the mountain west title game i I think they would need help maybe i don't i'm question mark i don't i don't know exactly what the the tiebreaker scenario is there we don't need to go through all of it but this is a fun one this is a fun game in the mountain west 
Yeah, yeah, I'm excited for this one. It's it's very impactful, obviously. Um, the Mountain West scenarios for this week, I, I also have <clears throat> okay. um, based on this. So um, if UNLV win this game, which we'll talk about later, uh, they are in. And the winner of Boise State versus Air Force is as well. Um, so the winner of this game will be in good position if UNLV wins. Uh, if UNLV loses its game, uh, there will be a three-way tie between the Rebels, uh, San Jose State, and the winner of Boise State versus Air Force, the top of the league. If Air Force beats Boise State and UNLV loses, the Falcons will be one-on-one against that group, as with both San Jose State and UNLV. Um, it's unlikely any of these teams are ranked, so the next point in the criteria uh, which is the composite average of selected computer rankings. Um, I don't really know who would advance. Yeah, if it, it, would be, it, would, three, it would be Air Force. Yeah. It would be Air Force and UNLV, I, I think, pretty clear. San Jose State, just it, well, it, the hole is too big to dig out of, I don't. I think, for the, advanced the, the language, But the language is very <laughs> unclear. They don't specify if they go to that unless someone has been ranked. I actually really okay. understand the language of the tiebreaker. Okay. It seems like one of the teams involved may have needed to have been ranked in the previous week. For that to be in, in play, which I don't think it is. Um, so if that's not in play, it moves to point three, which is overall winning percentage, which should also be Air Force yeah. UNLV. Yeah. So basically, if UNLV loses and Air Force wins, it's probably going to be Air Force UNLV. If uh, Boise State wins and San Jose State wins, then be those two teams playing each other. Okay. Um, so it's it's. God, that would be crazy Unless, with the way that the season yeah. started for those two. That would be crazy if they were still there nuts, at man. the end of the season. Two seven and five teams. Uh, not necessarily the best foot to put forward <laughs> if you're the Mountain West. I don't know that the Mountain West is, is rooting for that uh, at this point. Obviously, they would be deserving because they, they did what they needed to do and they, they had the tiebreakers. Um, that wouldn't probably be ideal for the conference PR-wise. I think that, that the league would probably prefer that Air Force and UNLV wins and that it's not a big deal, and they just send those two teams. A little bit easier to sell that one. Um, but there's, I mean, I think both of those games are, are losable for Air Force and UNLV. We're going to talk about UNLV's game in a little bit. Um, <clears throat> interesting interesting times. Basically a play-in playoff uh, this, this week in the Mountain West, which is fun. Uh, nothing in the most wanted here. We do have one game in the no-fly list. That would be Missouri at Arkansas, 4 p.m. on CBS. I don't know. It's it's you know a a rivalry question mark <laughs> essentially. They're they're close. Yeah. They're they're close in proximity. Um, I don't know how much fervor there is. Uh, I would assume some. Um, but Arkansas is not very good, and Missouri is very good. I think Missouri probably wins on the on the road. Maybe it's close, but I Missouri's a good deal better than Arkansas. Yeah, I agree. I just don't think there's a list here. I mean, like, I'm not going to watch Utah State at New Mexico. I'll do all due respect no. to you know, uh, to, to those guys, but yeah. God, I, I uh, wish I could join you in not watching that game. What I wouldn't give yeah. to not have to watch that football game. <laughs> yeah. I just can't say I'm really juiced up for that one, to be honest. No, um, no. um it's basketball well, season, baby. <laughs> yeah. The, the night games, we do have enough. There's only three games on in the evening slot for, for Friday, but they are three watchable. Well, two of them are definitely gonna be watchable. Yeah. One of them is on. We'll see. One of them is yeah. on, and two of them are good. Um, let's uh, let's start with the best one here. The Guantanamo Bay game, of course, would be Oregon State at Oregon, 8.30 p.m. on Fox. Uh, Oregon State comes up just short of upsetting Washington last week, two points short. Uh, I don't like this matchup for Oregon State quite as much as I liked last week's matchup. I think that Oregon is 
you know, Washington beat Oregon, and Washington deserves the the respect of of what comes with that. And I don't think that they're getting it nationally. Uh, but Oregon is, a, a, you know, a more balanced team overall than Washington. It didn't matter in that game. I do think it matters for this matchup because of the way that Oregon State plays and and what it is and isn't good at. Um, I just I don't know that I don't know that Oregon State can win a a shootout. And I think that that is basically what their defense is going to necessitate here. I don't know how they really get off the field against Oregon's offense. I think Oregon's offense is just too good at too many things. I don't know how Oregon State really keeps up unless DJ goes nuts and Damian Martinez goes nuts and Oregon's defense is noticeably worse than it has been for the last two months, basically. I mean, I would say that the answer is, I don't know what the weather is going to be in this game, but you hope for an ugly day. Yeah. You control the football a lot. Um, I think Oregon's defense is obviously substantially better than Washington's. Uh, however, maybe not substantially, it's better than Washington's, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that you should be able to hold the football and take long drives to get Oregon out of rhythm. Um, I think that the Oregon passing attack to me, while still good, Troy Franklin's a great player, is not as good as Washington's. And if you can force Oregon to run the football as well, uh, they're a good rushing team with Bucky Irving and Noah Whittington. But if you make this game shorter, um, you can be in it and a, a, you know, a turnover here or there, a key penalty can swing this thing. Um, I think Oregon state probably needs to play with a lead. They probably have to score first um, or something close to it. You do not want to get into a shootout with these guys. Cause I don't think that will work. Like you said, like DJ going nuts is <clears throat> it's not a game plan. It won't work. No, no, it's, it's not a game plan. Um, is this, uh, I'm, I'm curious I'm going to put it to you. Is this a chance for Bo Nix to, to lock up the Heisman here if he plays well? Do, do, do you think he can he can win it with this game, basically? I don't really think so. Um, to me, no. I, I know people are going to watch this game, but like, if they lose to Washington again, it won't matter. He won't win it. Okay. So, Do you think it would go to Penix then, or would it no. go to Daniels? I, I don't know exactly what the... There's not I a, think there's Harris not is still in the race, too. I know his, I, I know yeah. his odds drop, but I would say that Marv is still in the race with the Michigan game coming up, with yeah. everyone watching that. That's fair. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, to me, like the best quarterback in the country is Jane Daniels by a wide margin. By a I don't wide think it's, margin? Yes. Ah. I think the way Daniels has played and the production for his team has been much more consistent against, you, you know, he, maybe not better defenses, but, like, he has played – very well every week like he's not had a bad game right and like yeah i'm not saying that, that i think he's doing and i say this knowing that they have skill talent at lsu i think he is doing a little bit more with less than than nicks and, and Penix are as well um would that be fair yeah. i i don't less think of an offensive line for sure yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I don't think that that's um, i don't think that's crazy to say yeah and he's he has to play in shootouts every week because their defense sucks right and like, I don't think that's true of these Washington Oregon teams as much. I think yeah. LSU's defense is worse than both of theirs, which is crazy based on what they had coming in preseason. Um, yeah, I mean, to me, look, if the way Penix has played the last, like, he didn't play, he hasn't played very well in a little bit now. Like, I don't think he's done, had dominant performances yeah. um, down much of the stretch. If they beat Oregon, sure, they're in the mix. Like, he has an extra weekend to show off what he has, whereas Daniel sit at home with a three loss team. I get that. But, Oregon win, loses one of these final two games to Oregon State or Washington. I don't think Nick has a shot. Okay. I think the premise is just like being the best player on a team that's going to be in the playoff when no one else in that situation has like a superstar. It's gone. It's gone crazy. Yeah. 
Um, that's my thought on it, at least. Uh, I think that it's going to be Daniels. To, to me, it's, I don't know, man. I don't know that Penix has a, a great path. Maybe if he goes nuts against Oregon in the title game, that yeah. would do it. I, I, think that's but, a, I think that's the easy path, is that he would be the, the dominant player on a playoff team at, at that point, and they would that would be a, a fairly easy pick there. Whereas if he doesn't go nuts, if he is, even if they, even if they win, but he's just, you know, like good, um, then you are, you know, it's, 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 it's maybe Marv, if he, I, I think Marv probably needs to win the next two games for Ohio State basically on his own, uh, offensively, which is not out of the realm of possibility at all, uh, for, for him and for the way that, that offense functions and, and in some cases doesn't function. Um, yeah. but if he, if he doesn't, then you're talking about either Penix, uh, you know, if he's not convincing, like terribly convincing, extremely convincing at the end of the season, it's between two quarterbacks on non-playoff teams. And then you're probably just looking at stats and, and Daniels is more prolific this season than Knicks. Yeah, yeah, that's probably true. Um, uh, I mean, maybe, I don't know, but Knicks is not going to be end up being more prolific. Or, or, sorry, you said more prolific. Yeah, yeah never mind. I misheard you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I just don't think Bo Nix has has done enough to like blow me away, uh, in the way you want to see from a player. Like I know like he he could well just win it by like outlasting everybody else. He's playing well. I mean, he's not that far behind, uh, Daniels uh, Daniels or Penix and and passing yardage. But like when you consider how much of a threat Daniels is as a rusher, and when you consider I think Penix has maybe more juice behind him. Like Oregon having not played anybody all season. Yeah, to me. Like even if the odds say he's number one, and and like there are so many dumb voters that will just follow who's the favorite to, if they don't have a strong opinion, um, like him not playing any marquee games has to sting a bit, right? Sure, he can get one or two here at the end, but I don't know, man. Like you've seen Penix in big moments all season, you've seen Harrison in big moments against big teams, um, you've seen Daniels just put up ridiculous video game stuff every night as a joy to watch. Yeah, like what is Bo Nix's defining moment all year? Like what is his like what Bo Nix game do you think of this season? Yeah, I don't know. That that's where the opportunity is here. I think is is that he could yeah. he could do that, right? He could have that that defining moment. I don't know if it would be this game. I think he probably would need it to be this game and the next one. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> you know, we'll we'll see. I think as a as a football game, this is going to be a lot of fun. As a a an opportunity for Nix to go out and prove it wouldn't be the right word but to not leave any doubt i don't know that it exists fully in this game but he could certainly take that that step i think that he needs to if he's going to do that he would need to take that step in this game um i don't know that oregon needs him to do that to win i think oregon could win even if it's a a, you know a slower ground game battle oregon state could also win that game it's not impossible that's the path like you laid out um, but Oregon stu- Oregon could still win that game, but uh, on on an individual level, that would not be ideal for for Knicks. Obviously, he'd prefer to just win than anything else. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. This is a really good game. I, I every Oregon State game this year has been has been compelling, has been fun, and and it's going to be I think really good to watch Oregon play against another good team. It's been a minute since we have seen Oregon play against a good team, and and I'm I'm excited for this one. Uh, most wanted here, Texas Tech at Texas, 7.30 p.m. on ABC. We've gone through the Big 12 uh, tiebreakers uh, at this point. Texas just needs to win. Uh, Texas has done a good job of not losing games that it shouldn't lose. I, I, I think that the 
you know, they probably shouldn't have lost the Oklahoma game, but they did. Uh, but since then, they've not been upset. They've come close a couple times. I, I'm a little worried about them just in general by how close they've cut some of these games. And I don't know if this is going to be different, but uh, as a, if we're just analyzing the football teams and not <laughs> the context around them, yeah, Texas is a good deal better than Texas Tech and should win the game um, pretty clearly, right? Yeah, I, I think so. But like, I don't know. I don't think any of us are very enthused by the way Texas has played down the stretch. And I do think no. that matters, right? Like looking at just the trend line of this team. Um, I mean, close games three weeks in a row with Kansas State, TCU, Iowa State. Iowa State maybe a little bit less so. Yeah, um, it's close enough. Score was close, played, it was, yeah, it was close going into the third and fourth quarter, which is enough to say that it was a close game. Yeah, I mean, of their final six games, like their best performance is beating a bad BYU team by a few scores at home. Mm. Um, and like they didn't like put up video game numbers that game. It's I mean, no. they lost to Oklahoma, played tight with Houston, uh, beat BYU comfortably, played tight with Kansas State probably should have lost mm-hmm. uh play tight at tcu easily could have lost played pretty close to iowa state yeah like they have not looked good for you know almost two months at this point and i don't think texas tech is an awesome football team they also lost that same byu team they got kind of pushed around by kansas state um i don't know you do you do have uh i guess the kansas win a couple weeks ago to go off of like beating kansas on the road is not nothing yeah um i i think you have the confidence of the way texas tech treated texas last year just like from a mentality perspective like, is this Texas team tough and are they like focused is still a real question. Um, just like you said, two football teams on paper go into this game, no prior knowledge of their trend lines or of who the teams are mentally and who's who they're led by. Yeah, I, I would pick Texas comfortably. Yeah. I think because Texas probably still wins, but this does not feel to me like watching them play like a 12 and one Big 12 conference champion, potential or likely playoff contender to Texas. Yeah. Um, they're not that good. No, they're they're not that good. Yeah, I I, I think that. And some... they got their wins early. You got to give them credit for that. Like, I, yeah. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I will say that does matter. Like, I, I'm not trying to favor, in terms of like deserving of being in the playoff. I am not trying to favor late game results over early season because I think that's horseshit. Um, like their resume, you know, beating Alabama uh, on the road by two scores is great. Uh, blowing out Kansas is good. Uh, beating Kansas State is hard to do. Um, Iowa State's not a bad football team. I don't know if they're a good football team, not a bad one either. Um, like they've gotten some decent wins in the list here. The Oklahoma loss is explicable. Um, and you have a chance to go out and win your conference. Like if they went out, they'll deserve to be in. But if I'm just looking at the way this team is played, I just don't trust them right now. Yeah. Yeah. In in my I, sometimes the dumb guy football brain is is uh is useful. And in the dumb guy football brain parlance, I would really like to see Texas look like a playoff team here at some point. Lean on them. If you are that, if you are one of the best teams in the country, fucking do it. You're at home. You're playing a not very good team. Beat, beat them. Beat them good. Like don't, don't dick around with this. Look like a real team here. Look like a, look like a contender. Look formidable. Look hard to beat. I, I don't, I don't want to see them in another one score game against a mid Big Twelve team. Go out and fucking do it if you want to be in the playoff. I, I don't. I, the the resume you know is what it is and and they could easily be in even if they don't but just like on a personal level uh, show me that you have some fucking juice here at some point that wasn't just in September beating an Alabama team that didn't know what it wanted to do yet uh, go out and do it lean on them <laughs> show that you are powerful show that you are talented show that you are obviously the better team because they've not 
they've not looked like that, like you said, in, in the better part of two months now. Go out and do it. I want to see it. I, I'm, I'm sick of them. I'm sick of them dicking around with this. Just go and do it. Uh, I, I don't, I don't really, I don't really need to see Texas in another very competitive game here. Go prove it if you want to be in that conversation. Um, don't just, just don't waste my time. I'm, I'm tired of Texas wasting my time. Yep. Yeah. hundred percent. No fly um, list here is Penn State at Michigan State, 7.30 p.m. on NBC. I am good. I think I'm okay on this one. I don't really know that I need to be – I don't know that I need to be watching this one. No, these teams are – are. Uh, I mean, Penn State's going to win, right? Penn State's favored by three touchdowns. They're going to win the game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, Penn State's issue is not beating bad teams. <laughs> Penn State Penn State has not had a whole, lot of, a whole lot of trouble with beating bad teams. I think they will yeah. do that again here. Uh, Saturday. We may have some Michigan State stuff to talk about uh, or in the next week or two here. Because mm-hmm. uh, looks like Jonathan Smith is shining pretty heavily for that job. So yeah, we'll be, talk about that. Be one yeah. heck of a hire. Yeah, we will talk about that. Uh, Saturday noon. Of course, we have the Abu Ghraib game of the week. Uh, top three matchup. Uh, team is base. The the winner is basically headed to the playoff. The loser would need some help. Wouldn't be out, but would need some help. Uh, and that would be the game, Ohio State at Michigan on Fox. Um, Ryan, where are you at? How are you feeling right now? I know, I know, I'm sure we're. What is it? It's it's Wednesday at about 12:40. Uh, I guess 2:40 Eastern time. I would assume that you are, given the time of the week, you are getting right over the hump and and talking yourself into it at this point. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have been for a few weeks. To be fair, like basically yeah. since the suspension, or I guess I would say since the way we've seen Michigan, Michigan play the last two weeks, yeah, that's kind of all I need to see to get myself up for it. Here, here's what I think. I think this, and tell me if I'm, I'm wrong here. Okay. To me, the, the two biggest defining factors of the last two Michigan wins were Michigan having an elite offensive line, which led to uh, an elite rushing attack. And I think the second one was Ohio State having a bad defense in 2021 and a mediocre one that had bad missed assignments in the secondary all year in 2022. Okay. Do you think that's fair? Uh, yeah, I, I think that's that's the majority of it. Um, Ohio State's – the other thing, and we've talked about this a million times on this show, both within this season and, and within the last two seasons, um, Ohio State's failure in short yardage scenarios offensively also stands out to me yeah. that it just can't – and this is still an issue for these guys. It just can't win those battles. It doesn't – Really, it just doesn't. Ryan Day is not a very good red zone play caller, and their short yardage play calling in general has been lacking for for years now. He's not good at it. That's not his. That's not his game. Um, that would be the other thing. It is just Michigan's success in the trenches on on both sides. I think has defined the last two games. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think to me, the answer here is that this Michigan offensive line is not just like, like clearly a major step back in the past two years. It's been basically a pedestrian outline. Which is so um, weird, right? Because they didn't yeah. really lose anybody and they had like coming into the season, we were well, talking yeah. about we were talking like they, they lo- lost a couple guys. Yeah, they lost a couple guys, but like we were talking about them as one of the best offensive lines in the country, understandably so, because they had been for, for two seasons then. Yeah, they had like two hundred and thirty yeah. combined starts for the <laughs> Yeah, and they added a yeah. bunch of talent from the from the portal. Um, and it just hasn't really, there have been times where it has been dominant. There have been times where Michigan's offense has been just rolling and, 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 you know, running the ball really well, setting up play action off of that. Uh, JJ McCarthy has not played well the last two weeks, but he had been playing very well before that. 
Um, but the offensive line and the offense in general has not been the the same well-oiled machine that it had been. I mean, they're you know this is not like a bad rushing attack. They're 36th in success rate, but that's not where they have been. They've been one of the best in the country the last two years, and they're not right. there yet um, this season. They and they were really they were that. sub 40 percent against Penn State, which is like one of the only serious defenses they've played all year yeah right um they have michigan's played a pretty easy schedule right they've not played anybody yeah um and despite that and despite the context of the season on ohio state's o-line which i don't think is like very good to be fair i think ohio state's offensive line and michigan's offensive line have had nearly identical performances throughout like as we get to like the end part of the season yeah um michigan is 0.2 they're they're two tenths of a percentage point ahead in sack rate allowed uh and they are uh, two tenths of a yard per carry ahead of Ohio State uh, on the rushing attack. They, like these guys are performing the same way. Yeah. While Ohio State's played better defenses and a harder schedule, um, I, I think that's notable. I think Ohio State's is rounding into shape somewhat. I have some concerns about the interior Ohio State O line. I think the Michigan and Ohio State defensive lines are roughly equivalent as fronts. Um, I think they're they're different ways. Like Ohio State is more balanced, right? They're able to bring pressure and run stopping ability from more parts of the line as much as we've maligned. Ohio State ends for lack of production in past years. Yeah. They are playing better this season. Um, Jack Sawyer is finally playing well for the first time in his career. JT mm-hmm. Tumaloal has blossomed into the consistently productive player. People said he wouldn't be. Um, you have the defensive tackles for Ohio State. Uh, Mike Hall has not been quite as expected, but Tyreek Williams much better. It kind of comes out in the wash. Yeah. Um, and I think that Ohio State has a solid rotation. They kind of shorten it in games like this. Michigan rotates a little more. Uh, I don't think Michigan has any ends that are worth caring about. Like their defensive ends are just not very good. Uh, their defensive tackles are some of the best in the country uh, with Kenneth Grant, especially coming out like a monster at recent weeks. Chris Jenkins has been workmanlike and solid. Mason Graham is, is always very good. Um, I think Michigan has a strong interior line, but what I'm trying to say here is there is not a decided advantage, if an advantage at all for, for Michigan in the trenches. I think their O line is slightly better. I think Ohio state's D line is slightly better. Yeah. Um, I think it probably comes out in the wash. Um, there I think are, that's a major factor. Uh, I'll, I'll add, I, I, there are two things that you say there that I would like to just put a pin in as notable. Um, because I, I think that in the wash, yes, you're, you're right. That's, it's basically, it, it's not, you know, there's, there's not a decided, uh, a significant decided advantage within individual matchups. I do think each defensive line has a, 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 a mismatch. Basically, I think Ohio State's ends have a mismatch against these Michigan tackles that have just not been as good as they should be this season. Uh, you saw yeah. that against Penn State. Penn State basically just just said that Michigan wasn't going to pass by by the, the pressure right. that they got yeah. off the edge. Um, Penn State also uh, played with a. I, I don't. I don't really know that I would describe Penn State's defensive game plan in that game as like the game plan you would have if you were trying to win. <laughs> it seemed like they basically just wanted to. Just wanted to make Michigan feel bad. Yeah, um, I don't. They adjusted really... pretty well in the second half, I thought. But their their yeah. first half game plan, like basically the reason Penn State lost, other than just not having an offense, is that like the only stuff they allowed Michigan to get, there were a couple of explosives in the first half because they're everyone was crashing on everything, mm-hmm. and they had a couple of bounce back runs or, or you know kind of able to like counters that that just got away from uh, Michigan that really did not really bizarre for Manny Diaz because they yeah. were outplaying Michigan's offense significantly down to down. And if you don't give up those like three plays, I don't know. That's a different game. Boy, that yeah. sounds that sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, um, but even that, I was gonna say, even with those key plays, even when, when you know, um, you can. I'm, of course, you're referencing the Ohio State Michigan game last season. Yeah. Uh, 
when Michigan knew every play Ohio State was running, which I'm sure helps. We don't need to do uh, that here. You can do that on your own it's podcast. True. We could talk it's about true. this as a football uh, game. We, yeah, we can do, do it. That's fine. That. But but what I'm saying that that is matter to the football man. Like yeah. when a team knows every play, what because you're talking about like Michigan last season. I, I'm not trying to relitigate this or like I'm not trying to throw. A, that was a good football team, but they down to down. Oh, like Michigan was not very impressive on success rate against Ohio State. Ohio State's defense defensive game plan largely worked, yeah. and they had they lost basically every key leverage play. I think two of those big explosives for Michigan were because of bad defensive back play. Cameron Martinez getting fucking lost in the wash yeah. and a missed tackle on the other one. But the, the I think the rushing explosives, you could very well assign to Michigan knowing exactly where to attack in a defense where there was not leverage and just going off to the races. I think when you look back at those plays, they were interesting. As all I'm saying, I'm not, I'm not trying yeah. to fucking do this, but like... Am I... I mean, Michigan, not, Michigan's offensive line and rushing attack is not what it was last year, but am I... Am I fair to is it fair to say that ohio state's linebackers have not played as well as they did last year i think they've been a, a slight step behind but i think it comes out in the wash when you have that nickel spot that was manned by corners last year is now manned by sunny styles yeah and him and run support plus the improvements of the safety play and run support has i think ohio state's defense net net is much better this year than it was last year yeah and i think the linebacker play like eichenberg is he's been banged up but when he's been healthy has been just as good as he ever was um, I am slightly concerned about Steel Chambers mm. uh, as a run fit guy, yeah. but Cody Simon has done very well at that. And I think if we'll we'll see, basically, I'm very curious to see how that chess match works out with which linebacker Ohio State plays in its will spot, because um, Cody Simon is a bit more of a liability in coverage, whereas Chambers is very good in that role, uh, and Simon is a much better run defender than than Chambers is, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I don't know what they'll do there. I'm curious to watch it play out. I think it depends on how much they think. Uh, Michigan can actually have a functional passing attack against a real football team, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know. I'm skeptical of. Yeah. But the point I'm trying to get to here broadly is that Ohio State has been perhaps the best defense in the country about not allowing explosive this year. Yeah. Which is how Michigan has won its key games in the Big Ten the last two seasons, right? Uh, Ohio State is third in the country in both plays of 20 plus and 30 plus allowed, and first in the country of plays of 40 plus. They allowed one all season. Yeah. Um, and it was that uh, Rutgers like fake fumble play, yeah, uh, which <laughs> was a, a trick funny. play essentially, just funny. That's yeah, a funny stat. So like yeah. Ohio, yeah, Ohio State has been excellent about not allowing explosives, and Michigan's decline in efficiency, uh, and I think decline in, in rushing efficiency leads it to need explosives. I think, and I don't think it could get them against Ohio State. Yeah, um, it, I, I really don't think they're going to be able to create them. Yeah. I'll, I'll finish my my thought because I was saying earlier that that I think that the lines each have a, a an advantage of their own. Ohio State's on the outside, Michigan's on the inside. Um, you 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 know you talk about Ohio State having some some question marks on the inside. I know that there have been, I mean, there's guys, there's guys kind of moving around up there like position wise, and there there are. Uh, is Matt Jones the starter at center? I'm I'm asking. I don't know. Uh, is he going to be uh, starting at center in this game? It's unclear. Okay. I think my that's expectation... Not, that's not what I would want to see if I'm... <laughs> well, no, well, no. What I'm saying is they're going to keep... Like Carson Hinsman's healthy. Yeah. What they did, they've been using Matt Jones in practice and got him reps at center against Minnesota. Um, my expectation would be that if Hinsman struggles with Grant, especially, or Graham, mm-hmm. they will move Jones over and likely bring Integra to Shibola at right guard, okay. which is a lineup I called for all offseason, frankly, feel better about. <laughs> yeah. I think it makes a lot more sense playing against yeah. uh, the teams you got to play against. Um, Hinsman is 
not a bad he's not an outright awful player like he's not a liability he's a young um, guy and he's he's struggled he's a young, young guy, guy and he's light in the pants That's yeah the he, he like they list him at like 300 soaking wet he's probably actually 290 at this point yeah um i don't think he's big enough that's a concern uh he is despite that which is kind of funny he's a better run blocker than he's a pass blocker that makes sense um, it's harder to anchor when you're smaller like that that makes sense to me yeah and jones is a mauler tushable is a mauler I would feel a lot better with that lineup. I think basically what's going to happen is if Hinsman struggles, they will pull him. Okay. Um, they did that last year in the line. Like they brought in initially against Michigan, they brought in Enoch Vamahi because they had an injury at right guard uh, to Jones, ironically. Yeah. Uh, and they, they they put in Enoch Vamahi to start. And he has the same problem. He's also light in the pants. He's too small, which yeah. uh, you're seeing as a recurring theme here. Thank you to McRoddy. Um, it's so funny if that, that he he just he has the exact it's like he's got the weight chart wrong he's got the wrong numbers listed of where guys should be at each position <laughs> just all it's, of it that's honestly yeah. my complaint like they were talking in the offseason like I think Jeremy Birmingham had a report about how Jelani Thurman was bulking up and it's like Why? he already came in yeah. at like 265 like there's been like I think one tight end heavier than that drafted in the first three rounds in the last like several years yeah um it's just yeah he has bad targets yes I agree yes. Yeah. um but Basically, when Vamahi could not hold hold up physically, they plugged in Josh Fryer, who was fine. Yeah, and I think if Hinsman cannot hold up physically, they will slide Jones over and plug into Shabola, who I am fully confident can't hold up physically. Yeah, um, I think it's their better line. I think you obviously you don't love the idea of doing a new line rotation in no. Week 13, your biggest rivalry. However, they've practiced it all throughout the season, and I think it's workable. Yeah. Um, and Jones, a lot of experience there. Tushabolo is a guard through and through. It would work. I think it would work. Okay. We'll see about that. Yeah. Um, that is, yeah, that, sorry, that's, you asked me that question for a reason. I assume. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm just saying that I'm, I'm, I'm curious in watching that because I think that that is where Michigan's advantage is in the front is interior pressure against the pass, interior penetration against the run. I'm very interested to see if Ohio State can run up the middle. I'm very interested to see how Kyle McCord handles it if he's getting that pressure from from the inside because he struggles with pressure from the outside, uh, like a lot. <laughs> Not yeah, he struggles with pressure in I, general. But a young quarterback facing. I actually facing, feel it's worse for him up the middle than, than from the outside. Yeah, I mean, like he, he has balls. He had ball security problems. Hasn't manifested in recent weeks. He's been, mm. I think, coached up on that. Um, of course, it's always a concern still. But yeah. I am much more concerned about Michigan creating pressure up the yes. middle and pushing him off his spot. His biggest problem is that he seems he does not step into his throws. There's any kind of pressure in his face. Mm-hmm. And that has what's led to some of his errant throws. Yes. Um, and he had a bit of a bum ankle earlier, which some people want to attribute that to the, the ankle problem. It seems like he's healthier now. Um, I think that matters. Um, to the running point, I'm less concerned about that because Ohio State – Basically, since Trey Henderson came back after he was injured in the Notre Dame game and didn't play until the, the last four weeks, he was off for over a month. Um, since he's come back, they've been a lot more clever about using him to the edges of the field and you know using wind back and counter concepts to attack the outside of, of defenses. Yeah. Where I think Michigan is especially weak. Um, I don't think their linebackers or safeties are that impressive in run support. I think their linebackers are actually actively kind of shitty. Um, and I think that's somewhere where Ohio State may find an advantage. Since he's come back in those those four games, the first seven games of the season, Ohio State was averaging a pretty dismal 3.9 yards per carry. Uh, and now with Henderson, it's been 5.5 yards per carry. Okay. Uh, and he's averaging like over 150 yards from scrimmage in those four games. He's been a he's been a difference maker. Yeah. The rushing attack looks different with him. It's been very effective. Um, I think him personally, he's averaging like close to seven yards a carry uh in that stretch. He's been very, very good. Um 
so the rushing attack I'm less concerned about. I don't, but I don't think Ohio State's going to win this game trying to run the ball at Michigan, right? Like they yeah. don't. That's not how they win games. Even when this this team is different than previous Ohio State teams, that's not their identity. To win this game, they have to be able to pass the football well. Yeah, and obviously having Marvin Harrison Jr. helps. <laughs> they uh-huh. also have Emeka Buka healthy the past couple games. Yeah, uh, he's looked very good. Xavier Johnson keeps coming on as a weapon. Uh, they've used him a lot very creatively um, as a play action target and orbit motion as an actual like run carrying threat to the outside. Yeah. He's done very well with that. Um, I think he's a difference maker this game potentially. And they also have Kate Stover back um, as to attack the scene. Right. So, uh, and Kate's obviously had a great blocker. I don't trust him very much doing that, Yeah, but I do trust him as a, as a receiving threat. Um, so I feel pretty good. Like Ohio state is going to be fully healthy with all of its weapons. And when the offense has had that for like two combined games this season, it's looked very, very good. Yeah. Uh, and they've been able to attack teams. Um, I would say they, their point total wasn't as high, but they moved the ball more consistently on Penn State's defense and controlled that game without two of their key players, uh, Henderson and Abuka, than Michigan did fully healthy. Yeah. Um, which I think is interesting, Mark. To, you know, obviously Ohio State's offense doesn't play Michigan's offense, but. Um, it's still an interesting kind of note and one of their only points of comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for Ohio State, if McCarthy, sorry, not McCarthy, if McCord, uh, for Fordian slip there, is not putting the ball in harm's way too often, I think Ohio State has a, a much more significant advantage when they're on offense versus Michigan's defense than vice versa. Um, that is an if, right? Obviously, if he's yes. facing pressure up the middle, you have to be worried about that. Uh, if he's injured and gets banged up again, he has to be worried about that. But I do think that when he's been healthy, when he's feeling confident in his throws, maybe in second halves of games, as the O-line really settles in and is kind of mauling teams a bit, uh, he has been excellent. He always gets off the map, which I do appreciate. In the first half, he's been rocky. Like He's pretty clearly the worst quarterback in the Ryan Day era so far. Um, but he has been good enough to win them games. I think his numbers are – he's still like probably on the numbers a top 15 or 20 quarterback in the country – but he's not a top two or three one like they're used to. Yeah. Um, and that's a difference here. But I, I also looking at Michigan secondary, I think Will Johnson and Mikey Santristell are very, very good players. I don't think that it, it, Josh Wallace or Jay McBurrows or any of their safeties are anything to write home about. Um, and even Will Johnson is as good of a corner as he is. Do you trust anyone in America to consistently ha- hang with Marv one-on-one? Or if you're offering a lot of safety help to Marv, do you trust the rest of a good but not great secondary to take care of Mecca Buka, Kate Stover, Xavier Johnson, Julian Fleming, Carnell Tate? Because I, I say I wouldn't. Yeah. And <clears throat> yeah, that's that's I, I think and Penn State couldn't do it. And Abuka wasn't healthy. And they have a better secondary than Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. I, I that's I mean that you yeah that's that's basically I think that's basically where I was, where I'm at, and and we're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna do a full hour on this. You and you and Dan did a great show for people who okay, want a, a yeah. complete a complete <laughs> breakdown of the game. Um, you guys are better equipped to talk about it in in depth than I am. Um, but that's really where I'm, you know, where I'm looking in this game is the both both lines, both line matchups on, on you know whenever you know either team is on offense. Um, I'm looking at you know that first and how that impacts quarterback play 
um, on either side because I think that both defenses are going to be able to get pressure in different ways. Uh, and then I'm looking at how these two quarterbacks respond. You know, J.J. has been better this season statistically, uh, I, I think. For sure, yeah. Um, he's also struggled <laughs> in the last two weeks, whereas McCord against, you know, not especially good defenses, but whereas McCord has, when healthy, like you said, especially in the second half, done pretty well. Uh, and so that's yep. that's really, I think, where it's at is, is all of the skill talent is is obviously important and will will matter in the game. Marvin Harrison is going to matter in the game. He always does. Trey, Trey, Trey Henderson, Roman Wilson, um, you know, Donovan Edwards, Blake Corum, like all those guys are going to be important for the game. They That's the nature of it. But I, this is a... This is a game that has been won and lost in the in the trenches the last two seasons, um, and Ohio State does not have a cyborg at, at quarterback anymore, um, and so I'm very, very, very interested to see how McCord handles that because the advantage that Ohio State has on the outside down the field is not going to matter if Kyle McCord can't get the ball there. Um, not going to matter at all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's going to be, the ball's going to be going in the wrong direction. He makes bad decisions when he's under pressure. Um, and so I'm interested in that. I'm interested to see how Michigan handles the pressure from the edge uh, offensively with, with trying to balance protecting JJ with the fact that they need to throw the ball. Michigan has to be able to throw the ball here. They have to have, you know, Dan has talked about this a ton, more play action. Need to see more play action because it would work, and it has worked, and J.J.'s really good at it. I want to see that here. I want to see those plays. I want to see how Michigan handles it, and I don't want to... It can't just be a turtling here. You can't just run the ball for the entire second half because they're getting pressure. You've got to find ways around it. Um, that's where it's... I think that's where the matchup is, is decided. Um, I I don't have a super strong opinion on who wins the game. I'm not going to give like a score prediction. The uh, what I the the best I can really say is that the I don't know how to how to couch this. Um, the path for Ohio State is very clear. I think I think you can easily I I could easily understand how Ohio State if I watched it and Ohio State comes out yeah. winning. Yeah. I could easily see how Ohio State wins the game. It's not hard for me to understand that. Where I come down on it going in is that I trust the key positions in this game at Michigan a tiny bit more than I trust those at Ohio State uh, from just historically, you know, from from seeing them longer, seeing them perform better, uh, seeing J.J. Moore, um, the, the, the lines, you know, for as good as Ohio State's defensive line has been this season, for the improvements that Ohio State has made in general structurally. I've just seen Michigan do it more in the last two years. Um, and so I would be inclined because I can only go off of what I've seen. I would be inclined to, to trust Michigan a little bit more in this game, but I think the path for either team is, is extremely easy to understand. I think that, that I think it's going to be close regardless of who wins. Um, and I, I could easily see either one winning. I, I think it really is a toss up. Yeah. I, I think the path for Michigan is somewhat more narrow though, right? Like I think Ohio state can win this game, whether it's a dog fight or whether it's built on explosives. And I don't think Michigan has any capacity to create explosives in this game. Okay. And I think Michigan has to keep it a dog fight. If like, I, I will say this, if Michigan gets ahead, right. It's ability to control the game, control the clock, take possessions away from Ohio state, win on special teams, if they get an arm's length lead, they are they are 
better at holding that than Ohio State is, I think. Yeah, and and, um, and I will say I am said, I am concerned with that with all that we just said about McCord's struggles in the first half. That is a major, major concern for me yeah. <laughs> for Ohio State and, going and into equally, this game. But equally, I would say if Ohio State builds a lead, I don't think Michigan's built to come back in many football games. Like yeah. I, I don't think the way this offense functions, like if it's a second-half deficit for Michigan, this is not a team that can score quickly. It cannot do it. Yeah. Um, they don't want to have J.J. dropping back. It seems pretty clear – they, one, don't trust their tackles. And two, at this point, how can you trust him to throw deep either? He can't hit, he can't see receivers. He doesn't have a feel for it. Mm-hmm. Um, he's made, essentially, aside from that Ohio State game, where if you want to talk about, you want to talk about, I mean, knowing where a play is going to be, whatever it may be, but in every other high leverage game of his career, he's not played well. Yeah. Like he has yeah, turned they, the ball they, over. They had, an, they, they, yeah. they had an advanced AI system telling him that Cam Martinez wasn't a very good cornerback. <laughs> Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. I know. Say what you want. But I mean, like, uh, still, like, I, I think, I don't think you can trust JJ in big games at this point in his career. Uh, I think the way he played the last couple of weeks, like you said, them not being able to get him to drop back effectively is a problem for them. Um, I think JJ has been the better quarterback all season. Going into this game, I don't think it's nearly as decided of an advantage as it was for Michigan. I think Ohio State can protect McCord better, and McCord has more weapons to get the ball to. I think McCarthy is both limited in his time. He likes, first of all, he has propensity for holding the football too long as it is. And it's compounded by the fact they have bad tackles. And if they want him to drop back, I don't trust their receiver threats that much either. Like, Colston Loveland's good. Roman Wilson's a solid college receiver. But they don't have anyone who's going to break open for you and, like, win a lot of one-on-one matchups, right? And I guess to me... Without a major turnover for Ohio State or a major special teams fuck up, mm-hmm. I think Michigan's path is much more narrow. This is a clean game where it's played even on turnovers um, or no major special teams defensive scores or, or near scores for anybody. Yeah. Like If you're just playing this game straight up, I think Ohio State wins it most times. Yeah, I would agree with that. If it's a, if it's a totally clean game, I, I think Ohio State probably is the, the, the better equipped team for that moment. The the difference here of, of opinion that we are not going to be able to square on this show and that, that is it's yeah. fine um, is that I will bake in a significant mistake from Ohio State or two uh, like that is I'm expecting that I, I they that's what they do they have those they have bad turnovers they have yeah. special teams misfires um, Parker Fleming will call a, a fake punt from their own five yard line in the early second quarter for some reason. Um, the punter will just like kick the ball in the wrong direction or something. Uh, they won't tackle a punter. Like, something will happen on special teams that is not good for Ohio State because it happens in every big game and, and even small games. Um, and I think McCord probably throws an interception uh, and maybe fumbles. So I, I, I'm baking those in, and that's where my, my confidence, not even confidence, my, my leaning toward Michigan comes from is that I just don't trust yeah. Kyle McCord or the special teams. Um, and I think that those have, if they've been issues all year, I don't know why they wouldn't be issues here, but yeah, if, if we're, if it's a clean football game, I think Ohio state's path is easier than Michigan's is. Yeah. I, I, I think well, that's the, probably, the last thing I'll yeah. say, cause I know we've gone forever on this. The last thing I want to say is like, I think you can attribute as I have many times, a lot of those, you know, boneheaded errors from Ohio state are otherwise explicable uh, to the fact that you have a head coach who was trying to be the head coach, the offensive coordinator and a position coach all at the same time. Yeah. Who was wearing too many hats and doing mm. too much stuff. Mm-hmm. And that is now what Sharon Moore is doing. And the <laughs> results have been pretty bad. 
yeah. uh, when he's been doing that. It's I, not been impressive. Michigan should really and, consider having like Mike Hart call the timeouts in this game. I don't think it would be that crazy to just come in with this as him with him as the as the the head coach. I I, I don't really know why they have decided that Moore needs to be the one to do it. It seems like he's doing yeah too doing much all right of this now. stuff, especially given the O line is probably the most difficult position yeah. to coach on the field. Yeah, just have um, Mike Hart do it. What's he? What's he? What he's like the running backs coach, right? Just have him do it. I don't. Yeah. He's not doing anything else on game day. It's not like he's going to coach up sure, they, they and Donovan do Edwards. That. Just do that. It doesn't. It doesn't yeah. make sense. Um, yeah, I think that's. Where we're yeah, gonna... I mean, I think that's something where, like, if you want to look at why Michigan made some key mistakes in last week's game, and like, you know, needed basically 18 points off of defense, they had the touchdown, two set, two safeties, and a short field touchdown off a turnover. Yeah, to beat Maryland by one score. Uh, I mean, look, those errors compound, right? You start making some. You're not calling plays. You're not seeing the game clearly. You're not calling play action enough. You're not doing things that help you get into an advantage. That stuff's happening for Michigan, and and like, you know, Brian Cooks, the Brian Cooks of the world can say all they all they want. They can say that it's because oh, Michigan always plays badly week before Ohio State, which is not really true. It was like one week last year. Um, well, it, it, the, the history of this series goes back issue. before one yeah. before one season. I mean, there's that that is right. Of course, that's, that's, that's not I mean, a thing I mean, to explain that, away like, all of it, but that does happen sometimes. Like Ohio State has done that too. It's occasionally, not, it's yeah, not but crazy. it's not. But it's not enough of a pattern for either team. If I yeah, say it's sure. It, it's whatever you want to see. It. it is is you know it can be either thing depending on who you're rooting for. It, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, I think that there's there's a there's validity to to whatever of it. It's the it's the battle of third base for for these two head coaches. <laughs> they're both uh i don't know terribly well uh, well equipped for this but uh we'll see ryan day has technically done this more than than sharon moore has right like he's 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 been a head coach for several years Moore is is doing this for the first couple games now here um i don't really if i'm in a you know if i if i'm if if gun to my head i have to pick one of them i would just let you shoot me i don't want either one of them in a big game i, I would be i'm good i'll pass uh <laughs> just, i i i don't want to uh I don't want to have to. I don't want to have to depend on that. Just kill me now. Uh, that that's where I'm at with both of these guys as as game managers. We'll see. It's it's a it's a really big game. It's a very fun game. I think it's going to be a whole lot of fun to watch. Um, I'm almost. It, it almost feels like the way that we're talking about it to me. It almost feels like what if uh like what if Army Navy was a battle of top five teams who could also kind of pass the ball, um, <laughs> which is really fun. I I like that. I like that it that it feels like a you know it, it's going to be this this extremely high level battle of attrition. We don't get those a ton in college football, and I think that that's going to be a really good time. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. Uh, also at noon, not much. Guantanamo Bay, Kentucky at Louisville on ABC. Uh, Louisville obviously needs to win to stay in the playoff hunt. I think it will do that. I know that Kentucky is is competent. Um, Kentucky has not played well <laughs> in a, in a minute. I think that Louisville is going to, I think Louisville is going to win this one. Yeah. Um, I think so too. I mean, Louisville does have to play a close game, which I mean, Kentucky does too. And historically Mark Stoops has owned Louisville. Uh, however, it's a new coach, new regime, yeah. hard to apply that. Yeah. Um, I think Louisville's better, but Jeff Brom is, caveats there yeah. just recent. Yeah, yeah. Jeff Brom is infinitely more serious than either of the coaches that preceded him. Um, yeah. infinitely. It is not close <laughs> when you're talking about P- course, P- P- Petrino yeah. and then Satterfield to Brom. Brom is a psycho. Brom understands completely what this game is in a way that neither one of those guys ever could. Um, yeah. I, I, I trust him in this, in this moment. He is a, He's a freak, man. He's he's a he's a total psycho. <laughs> I yeah. do I do have yeah. a healthy amount of respect for Jeff Brom. He's not one of my favorite coaches in college football, but I trust him in this 
in this moment. I think they're going to get it done. And he know he knows he lives and breathes the rivalry. It's like yes. I mean, not to bring it back to Ohio State, but it's like when Urban Meyer showed up in Columbus, right? That's a guy that you don't need to teach anything about this rivalry. He gets it. And same thing for Jeff Rahm at Louisville. Yeah, um, yeah. There's not going to be any. There is no. There's no sense in that. I would. I would assume in that building this week of overlooking this game. That is not going to happen with Jeff Brom there. He knows what this one means. Um, I I trust him in this spot. I trust Louisville to get it done. Uh, Most wanted Navy at SMU on ESPN2. I do not trust SMU in this game. Navy loves to win this game. And I know I've said that several times this season, and it has never paid off, like saying that about teams that love to lose games like this. But Navy does this sometimes. Navy goes in and just wrecks somebody's season at the end of the year. Navy's been playing well recently. Not like super well, but I, I think Navy could make this kind of ugly for SMU. I would still assume that SMU wins, but I would I would say keep an eye on this one as a potential second screen game because I, I could easily... I could easily see myself looking down at the at the score app and seeing that this is like twenty four twenty Navy in the fourth quarter. I don't think that that's crazy at all. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, well, uh, the rest of the games this one in the no fly list: Texas A and M LSU, twelve p.m. ESPN. Um, don't need to talk about that game. Just watch it if you want to see the final college football games for Jane Daniels, um, Malik neighbors, Brian Thomas, and yeah. probably a few other guys. Um, yeah. Just watch just it. If you want to see talent. the, if, just watch it. If you want to see the final college football game, this is the last one. <laughs> this, is, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the last one. We're calling it in after this one. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess Texas A&M with, a, with an interim coach, inter- interesting enough, but neither one of these teams is really playing for much of anything at this point. Indiana at Purdue on Big Ten Network. I think Indiana is really hoping that Purdue does it a favor here. I I, I think that uh, I think Indiana needs Purdue to do it a solid and get Tom Allen out of there. I, 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 would, I would not be surprised if he gets fired if he loses this game. I think that they are looking for a reason to do it, and this would be this would be a pretty damn good reason to lose to a bad Purdue team in year one under a new coach. Um, that would be a very, very good reason to get that money together, to get those boosters in on firing him, in on paying that buyout. I think that Indiana... Honestly, I think that Indiana fans should be rooting for them to lose this game. <laughs> I know that that's not going to go. Like, fans don't do that. That's not really how it works. Um, maybe some. But if you want Tom Allen out as an Indiana fan, which you should, I think you probably want to lose this game, if I'm being honest. I think, from what I've heard this week, it might not matter. I think okay. it's over regardless. Okay. Um, We'll see, but... Man, if you want the extra security, yeah, I think it's over. You should have fired him this week. Then you can't give him the chance to yeah. win the rivalry game on the road. Come on, this is one hundred and one shit. Yeah. This is not how maybe you. They, maybe they leak it. They leak it Friday afternoon. Have him give him the Earl Bruce game. Yeah. Um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's, but um. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, besides that, uh, and move to the afternoon slate. We have two Guantanamo Bay games, both big conference title races. Oh yeah. We have San Jose State UNLV at three p.m. on the Mountain West Network. First of all. Fucking criminal that game is on that network. Yes. This is a good football game that has a lot of implications. This should be broadcast somewhere bigger. Yeah. Um, I, I'll, I'll give you uh, here free free, uh, free advice for anybody who wants to watch this game and doesn't know how. Uh, if you've got a Roku, which I would assume most people do, or a smart TV of any sort, there's just a Mountain West app uh, on, on all of those. It's free. You don't have to sign up for anything. You don't have to put in any credentials or anything like that. Just go download the app and you can watch the game for free. It's it's not it's not going to be that hard to watch. It just it should be on actual TV. You shouldn't have to go to a separate app for it. But the Mountain West Network is is free. You can stream it on the computer. It's not um, it's not like a paid service or anything like that. 
Yeah, yeah, cool. And the other game uh, is James Madison at Coastal Carolina, uh, which is at 3.30 p.m. on ESPN2. Um, where do you want to start between these two? Um, I'll knock the Mountain West one out first. We're not going to linger too long on any other games because we went so long on, on Ohio State-Michigan. Um, San Jose State at UNLV, really fun matchup. As is our God-given right. Yeah, yeah. as is our, I mean, it's the biggest game of the week. I don't know what you want us to do. Uh, sometimes we're going to talk about the biggest game of the week. Uh, but this is a this is a banger. This is two really hot teams right now. San Jose State, I think, even more so than UNLV, and UNLV's been playing very well recently. Uh, San Jose State has looked untouchable for the last month or so. They have been very, very impressive. Um, this is going to be a really fun football game. Two uh really good offenses in different ways. San Jose State has run the shit out of the ball over this stretch. They they've really come on strong there. Kyrie Robinson and Quali Conley are, are two really, really formidable backs. I think two of the best in the conference. Um and Chevin Cordero is an experienced signal caller who's who's really capable of running a game. Uh UNLV has more talent, especially on the outside, and UNLV obviously has been really good this year. I'm curious to see how a redshirt freshman quarterback handles this San Jose State defense because they're very flexible. They don't really sub a whole lot, and they're able to get into a lot of formations from their base package, uh, and they can cause a lot of problems for opposing quarterbacks. They've done that really well the last month of the season as well. They have a good line. Um, this is a tough test for UNLV. I think UNLV is up for it. I think it's going to be a really good game, but San Jose State is not to be taken lightly right now. Those guys are balling. Those guys are playing really, really well. This is a fun game. This is going to be a really fun matchup. Oh, yeah, big time. That is one of the biggest ones of the week for sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited for that. Like you said, it's kind of a playoff play-in game for the for the Mountain West title. So um, two big results. They'll both know what they need um, by the time this game comes. I mean, the answer is win the game, obviously, but uh UNLV has a bit more latitude here where if um if the game breaks the right way uh I don't think it will matter if they lose if Air Force wins um then they're in regardless probably uh but still you know um yeah yep yeah and then besides that Sunbelt game is is Coastal trying to play its way into the East title if it loses then I think things get a little bit a little bit dicey they could still be in if memory serves but so here's a scenario if James Madison is eligible um the dukes are in with someone has not decided yet i believe correct um i think they're waiting until after this game yeah um which is crazy yeah i think which is nuts if james madison is eligible the dukes are in with a win um if coastal carolina wins the shannon clears would be in regardless of any other result for james madison or or anyone else's games yeah uh, or their eligibility um coastal carolina would be in if it loses james madison remains ineligible an app state lose to Georgia Southern. Mm-hmm. Uh, if James Madison beats Coastal Carolina, but is still ineligible, app state would be in with a win versus Coastal Southern versus Georgia Southern. Yeah. Um, so, and I think also the last one there is if James Madison beats Coastal and app loses Georgia Southern, Coastal is still in if James Madison is ineligible. Yeah. I think at that point, if you have two teams with three losses in the conference, they would have to make James Madison eligible. I would think. If only yeah. for Troy. If only for Troy's purposes. Yeah, for yeah, for Troy's sake. Yeah, do it do it for stay together for Troy. Um yeah, the fun game should be should be very exciting. James Madison obviously taking its first loss of the year last week uh against App State in overtime. Uh so they, they looked, you know, mortal for the first time all season. I still think they're gonna win the game. I think they're better than Coastal is by a by a pretty wide margin. 
Um, most wanted, we've got four games, Alabama at Auburn, Iron Bowl, 3.30 p.m. on CBS, BYU at Oklahoma State, 3.30 on ABC, Washington State at Washington, 4 on Fox, and Jacksonville State at New Mexico State, 4 on ESPN. Best football game here, actual football game, worth watching, is the CUSA game, Jacksonville State at New Mexico State. Just two damn good teams. Um, New Mexico State has secured its spot in the CUSA title. Jacksonville State's not going to get eligible. Uh, I don't think I don't think that the Conference USA is going to do that. The calculus is different for, for that conference than it is for the Sun Belt because Jacksonville State has not been clearly the best team in the conference all year, like James Madison has. Um, but still just a, a really fun football game. Two really enjoyable teams to watch. I think it's going to be a great game. The other ones here, I don't have... A ton of interest in Oklahoma State obviously has some stakes that they're playing with Washington and Alabama both need to win you know nationally they need to win but they're both secure in their conference races uh playing against rivals that are having down seasons um I, I think that the I, I think JSU New Mexico State is easily the best game here and I, I don't honestly have a whole lot of interest in the other ones yeah that's fair um yeah man um I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, uh, there's not, like you said, there's, I don't know, like maybe I'll watch BYU at OK State has some juice to me. Yeah. Um, I guess because of Big 12 title reasons. Uh, I don't think Washington's going to be competitive. Jacksonville State, Mexico State should be a fun one. Um, it would be one of the funniest years of all time for Auburn to beat Bama. Yes. Uh, while Bama fans have been bitching and moaning all season, they deserve to be in the playoff because they're one of the best teams just by getting whooped at home by Texas. It's pretty mediocre. Um, so, hope that happens i hope i hope auburn beats bama and just gets that shit out of here god it would be such Um, a it would be it's such a perfect year setting up for this where alabama just kind of not eeks by wouldn't be the right word because that defense is excellent and they've won games pretty convincingly down the stretch here um but when an obviously not you know perfect not you know not 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 immortal not unbeatable alabama team going to a not very good auburn team and losing here would be so perfect that that is such a Again, like with the the Navy game I was talking about earlier, that is a classic Iron Bowl result. That is just, it happens. It it has happened before. I think it will happen again. I don't know. It's never something that you're going to predict will happen because you're not going to predict a a not very good team to beat a good team. But I could, you know, it could easily happen. It, it, It could easily, easily be one of those years where just something stupid happens in that game because something stupid happens in that game a lot. It, more more often than not, something stupid happens in that game. Auburn yeah, almost beat yeah, them last year. <laughs> you know, that, that, that was a better, certainly an Alabama, a better Alabama offense and a worse Auburn team, and Auburn still almost won the game. It's true. It's true. <laughs> um, let's run through these no-finalist games really quick. Yeah. Um, we have uh, five of them. Uh, there's Grambling at Southern at 2 p.m. on NBC. There's Colorado at Utah at 3 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network. There is Northwestern Illinois at 3.30 p.m. on the Big Ten Network. Um, I think also Maryland at Rutgers of the Big Ten Network at the same time, which we didn't include here. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of the same game. Yeah. Um, and Wisconsin at Minnesota at 3.30 p.m. on FS1. Um, also Georgia Southern and App State. I don't know if you mentioned that. And Georgia Southern on, App State. Yep. Yeah, 3.30 right, right, on ESPNU, which has importance for the Sun Belt East race and is a rivalry game. Um yeah, Grambling at Southern is on here, I think, for, for reasons that people understand. It is a spectacle. It is one of the, the coolest uh, just just spectator sports to watch, I think. It is, a, it is a show in itself, and if the rest of the afternoon slate doesn't really interest you, um, it's worth throwing on. It, it, it is a, it's always a blast to watch. Uh, I don't know that the stakes... 
I, I'm not going to pretend to know the stakes of HBCU football this season, but this is always a huge game, and it's it's a it's a really fun one to watch if you're just looking for something cool to put on the TV. Um, the rest of these, I don't know. I, I I think you probably will be. I think you're probably fine with the top six that we ran through here. Yep. Yeah. No need to go further than that, uh, unless you're a fan of one of those teams. Yeah. Um, the Saturday evening slate is bad. a bit barren. It's a bit barren. Um, the Guantanamo Bay game, we do not have one. Okay. Um, we, yeah. We do have three games, the most wanted slate, however. Um, we have Florida State at Florida at 7 o'clock on ESPN. We have UNC at NC State at 8 o'clock on the ACC network. And we also have Iowa State at Kansas State at 8 p.m. on Fox. Um Iowa State, Kansas State, obviously implications for the Big 12 title with Kansas State that we talked about earlier. Uh, Florida State of Florida has implications for Florida State's uh, playoff hopes and just kind of seeing what they look like uh, without Jordan Travis, with Tate Rodermaker, a quarterback. Um, and UNC-NC State is just a rivalry game between two top 30 teams, um, which is better football than you get in most of this slate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. I'm, I'm interested to see what Florida State looks like without Jordan Travis. I think it still wins. Florida's not very good. Uh, Florida also trying to get to a bowl game here. Um, yeah, without Graham Mertz, I believe. Without Graham Mertz. Oh, good. Uh, that's going to be fun. Uh, that, that'll, really yeah, we'd that. love to have a, uh, a battle of the backup quarterbacks. That's always good. I don't even know who the backup quarterback is for Florida. Um, off the top of my head. Yeah, I'm, I'm racking my brain. I don't know who it is. Uh, but that should be interesting enough. Curious to see just what Florida State looks like in that game. Uh, the other ones, I don't know. There's some decent football. I think that the other two that we mentioned here are both compelling without being terribly important. Um, but they're on and it's football and there's not really a better option in the evening. And so I, I think probably you just do some, some channel flipping here. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, also I was just looking up who Florida's backup quarterback is a kid named Max Brown. Okay. Um, I do. A, I, I follow a lot of recruiting. I have never heard of this guy. He uh, he signed with them in the 2022 class out of uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Okay. He was the uh, he was the 1558th ranked overall prospect in that class. Yeah. Um, the 96th overall quarterback. Um, hmm. Huh. Yeah. I see. I thought it sounded familiar for a second because I was thinking of the former USC quarterback. USC but that was like a decade ago. Guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was like a decade yeah. ago. Um, He's in media now. Yeah, He's still a little podcast. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. think I don't think it's him. <laughs> He's one of our colleagues nowadays. Um, <laughs> I've been saying yeah. that. Yeah, equals. Um, yeah, so I'm 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 curious just to see what that looks like. No fly list, kind of more of the same. Notre Dame at Stanford on seven uh, seven p.m. on the Pac-12 Network. So sorry, out of luck. Uh, South Alabama at <laughs> Texas State seven p.m. on the NFL Network. Georgia at Georgia Tech, 7.30 on ABC, and Clemson at South Carolina, 7.30 on SEC Network. I think South Alabama-Texas State is going to be a fun football game that does not really have any serious implications. They're both, Troy has won the no. West. Um, the it rest has of implications these... for South Alabama, for Kane Wilmack's chance to interview with Indiana job. That's fair, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and Texas State has kind of had a, a rough after such a great start has had kind of a rough finish here, which makes sense because they're, they're playing in the, in the Sun Belt, and the Sun Belt's a hard conference. I don't really think that they're, like, bad. They're just struggling in a, in a good league. Uh, they are still a work in progress. Um, I think South Alabama's defense probably wins them the game, but that should be a really fun styles clash amid a slate here, a no-fly list slate otherwise that I think sucks. I, I don't think any of these games are really worth watching. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know, pretty much. I, I guess... 
No, I don't know. Maybe Georgia Tech does the funniest thing of all time. Yeah, but probably not. Probably not. Um, usually doesn't. It usually doesn't. <laughs> I mean, do look, that. just yeah. th- there are there are seven games on. All of them are bad um, for the most part. I think UNC and C State's most likely to be competitive all the way throughout. Uh, Florida State, Florida has the most implications um, and kind of intrigue for the playoff. Kansas State has title odds on this. Um, just channel flip. Yeah. I mean, like if 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 one of those first three games is bad. Uh, keep an eye on the rest of them, but yeah, uh, but yeah, just channel flip. Yeah, hunt, and the night slate hunt for close games, uh, yeah, basically. Sorry, anyway, yeah, Saturday night, uh, we got two in the no fly list here. Uh, yeah, it's Cal at UCLA at ten thirty on ESPN, and there's also uh, Fresno State at South Dakota State, also at ten thirty on Diego FS1. State. San Diego State. What did I say? South Dakota State. Yeah, it yeah FCS on the brain. Yeah, yeah. Um, we do. We are going to talk about that game. Um, that's at the other games there's also uh colorado state at hawaii on spectrum pay-per-view mm. check that out good fucking luck uh, checking that out <laughs> dude that is the worst watching experience i have ever had with a football game trying to make the fucking hawaii app work the way that it is is that you can watch the game on their on their little their 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 little streaming thing on your phone or on the laptop you can't watch it on the tv if you want to watch it on the tv you have to do the pay-per-view um it sucks it is so shitty you have to like stream it from your phone to the tv if you want to watch it on the tv uh don't do that it is not worth your awesome. it is not worth yeah. your time at all <laughs> it's not in no way is it worth your time especially not for this game um yeah, it's it's a pretty rough end to this to this uh, this weekend of games. Uh, you mentioned the FCS playoffs are starting this week. Uh, we're not going to talk in great detail about it because we would be doing it a disservice. We're not we're not super up on on these teams in general. There's enough going on at the FBS level to keep us entertained, uh, and frankly, our our brains are pretty fried at this point. But there are eight, I believe, FCS playoff games starting this week in the first round. Uh, you have, they're all on ESPN plus. I don't know that I need to run through all of them. Uh, the ones that stand out to me, Sacramento state at North Dakota should be a lot of fun at 1 PM. Uh, again, these are all on ESPN plus, uh, Nichols state at Southern Illinois should be fun. Uh, Chattanooga at Austin P Drake at North Dakota state. Uh, there's, there's some good games in here. If you're interested in FCS stuff, I can't tell you which one of these would be the best. This is not the, like the, the, the seeded teams they get a buy. Um, but some fun stuff here. North Carolina Central at Richmond should be interesting as well. I think you can find some interesting games if you're if you're curious and if you have ESPN Plus and just kind of you know looking around for 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 games. Unfortunately, the last one is at uh, what is it five? I think five p.m. Eastern time. So none of these are are late kicks, which is frustrating. It would be nice to get at least one or two late kicks at the FCS playoff level so that we have something to watch at night. We really. We really just don't get that this this year, unfortunately. No, no, we don't. Um, kind of a bummer. We had a couple good ones, but not many. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's um, look, there's enough good games. This should be a good weekend. Obviously, Ohio State, Michigan will make up for any other lacking games. It's a big enough one on its own that it feels massive enough. I think that it makes up for an entire week. But um, yeah, it's not a very rich slate outside of that. Nope. Nope. Watch that one. Watch the big ones and uh, hunt for close games down the stretch. It's a college football Saturday. It's a college football weekend, really, starting on Thursday. It's, it's the last real it's one. It's the, the last year. one. Yeah. Um, enjoy it. It has been a long season. It has been, at times, both a good and bad season. Uh, this is the week, really, that kind of 
can help split that, you know, and, and, and conference title week as well. Uh, a lot of good games, a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff to watch, a lot of potential upsets. It will be, it will be a college football weekend and it's hard to complain too much about that. Even when it is not the strongest of college football weekends. Um, mm-hmm. Ryan, I think we, I think we're done. I think we'll get out of here unless you have anything else. Nope. Uh, I just want to say go bucks. <laughs>